This is Kathy Rhodes Sargentio, and you are listening to Diary of a Madman. What's up? And welcome to another episode of Diary of the Mad Men, the ultimate Ozzy Osbourne podcast where we geek out about all things Ozzy and all things Ozzy related. I'm Josh Crum, and he is Mr. Dan Drago. How's it going, Dan? What's up? What's up? <laughs> God, we're fucking old. Kids today have no idea how fucking cool that commercial was, yeah. man. It was amazing. <laughs> you know, I Absolutely. love the I love the scary movie one too. Have you ever noticed that? Yes. The movie, scary movie. Yes. And they do that whole thing on it. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah, it's so fucking cool, yeah. man. Excited to be back and excited to be discussing Ozzy's top ballads because I know you have a passion for that, as do I, because Ozzy ballads fucking rule. They do fucking roll. And I think Josh and I got this idea from doing our battle last week with our man, Ryan Beavers. And Josh and I had that great little debate over old LA tonight versus road to nowhere, which was awesome. And we still want to know what listeners like better between those two songs. And we thought what a better topic right now than to discuss all of Ozzy's ballads and rank them. Yeah, man. Speaking of the battle between Osmosis and No More Tears, that episode did really well. We definitely appreciate everyone for listening to it. What do you think about the feedback, man? It seemed like online, most of the fans leaned towards No More Tears. It was not even close. I genuinely got excited when I saw somebody post Osmosis as their winner because that's how lopsided it was. And it kind of bummed me out a little bit. I don't think the listeners personally are doing it how we did it, which is you break it down song by song. I think on the surface, you go, oh yeah, no more tears, mom, I'm coming home, road to nowhere, fuck, no more tears crushes osmosis. But when you really break it down and look at it like we did, I actually think it's the reverse. Osmosis is a much stronger record. Yeah, for Ozzy's career, really, there's three defining records, right? For his solo career. Blizzard of Oz, Diary of a Madman, and No More Tears. Agreed. There's no denying that. I mean, you and I definitely agree with that. And as a matter of fact, I subscribe to Apple. It annoys me that No More Tears isn't on his essential albums list. It bothers me real bad. For the longest time, it was just Blizzard of Oz. And they finally added Diary of a Madman on there. But it's like, dude, like these are like five-pound platinum albums. You know, like, what the fuck? But uh, yeah, on the surface, I agree with you. No more tears. But like you said, when you break it down and do song by song, it plays out differently. You and I had the same issues with some of the other battles we've done. We're like, you know, hey, I don't think I would have chosen that one. But when I go head to head, it's just the way it plays out. And that's what's fun about it, right? It's exactly what is fun about it. And it's just another way to really dive deep into his catalog, which is what I love. You know, I know these songs like the back of my hand. We joke all the time. You know, I've recorded probably a dozen records in my career I could tell you way more about Ozzy's songs than my own songs that I've written. It kind of makes me laugh, but it's just the fucking truth. I know these albums like the back of my hand, just like you do. But doing the battles is an amazing time to really just focus and just, I don't know, man. Like, I don't want to say re-educate myself because like we know them, but just dive back in in a different way. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, I do. I know Ozzy's material better than my own also. It's funny. We had that conversation with Ryan online the other day. He was kind of bummed about the latest episode of Ozzy Speaks, which we'll get to shortly. When Ozzy couldn't recall a few things and said he thinks the 30th anniversary of No More Tears is coming up shortly. And of course, we all know that already passed. They did a re-release and all this stuff. (laughs) And he did a press release on it. That's the funny part. (laughs) (laughs) Ozzy supposedly wrote this press release. I was chuckling about that today. Yeah. 
But, you know, you brought it up to him. You said, you know, Ryan, to be honest, he doesn't obsess over this stuff the way we do. And I can tell you more about Ozzy's catalog than I can my own. And I think Ozzy's the same way. He could probably tell you more about the Beatles than he can his own records. And I, I totally Absolutely. understand that. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Beatle point is absolutely fantastic because I guarantee you this, Ozzy could tell you fixing a hole, boom, off Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, just like I can because I'm also a Beatles freak. But he knows the Beatles catalog better than he knows his own, guaranteed. You know, when you're the one writing and doing this and working on it, it, is, it, you love it. Of course, you love it more than anything. And if you didn't love it, you wouldn't put it out for the rest of the world to listen to. But at the same time, he doesn't obsess over it the way we do. I mean, they had just released Ordinary Man, and he was doing an interview, and Andrew Watt was there, and they asked him about the track Goodbye. And he literally had no idea what they were talking about. And to be fair to Ozzy, that song probably had a different name as they were working on it, like a working title. And who knows what that could have been. But he didn't even know what the song was, Goodbye. He'd never even, it was like as if he'd never heard of it. Because, again, he's working with the working title. He doesn't even know what they named, changed that stuff to. And he doesn't obsess over it like we do. I mean, we are junkies. That's why we're listening to this show right now, friends. Can I add something to that as well? So, in Ozzy's early career, we know that Ozzy got into a room and jammed these songs out live. And played them live. Just like you and I did when we were younger. I remember, shit, one of my albums, I remember literally holding up in a studio for six months to not only write the songs, the songs were written, but just to play them over and over and over again. So we were prepared and we played them out religiously before we went into the studio, just just so we had time for these songs to breathe. And I think if you do that, those songs become ingrained and you can really talk and speak to them, a la the Blizzard stuff, the Diary stuff, even the Bark stuff, all that stuff. But a song like Goodbye was written by Andrew Watt, passed along to Ozzy where he wrote his melody, sent back to Andrew Watt to finish the song. Ozzy comes in, probably sang it in one day, and has never revisited that track again in his life. Yeah, other than listening to the final product when the album's finished. Yeah, whatever, when it was right? mixing. I mean, that would be yeah. the extent of it. And, you know, Zach even spoke to that recently in an interview I saw with him where he said he's just not a fan of it. He said, you know, when I first joined Ozzy, we would go in the studio. He said, studio time was a lot more expensive back then. You didn't record at home. And we would go in and just pound on these songs for weeks and weeks in advance. He said, then by the time you get to the studio, it's kind of stale. Ozzy said the same thing a lot. How He, he loves the demo versions because usually they're a little more raw and performance is usually a little bit more honest. And yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think especially speaking to Ordinary Man, that was why Ozzy loved that album so much. He admitted it came together so quick, he didn't even feel like he worked on a new album because it literally fell into his lap. But like you said, he didn't obsess and compulse over this album the way he did some of the others. So yeah, and he's 73 years old. I mean, I'm 42 and my memory sucks. So he's got 31 <laughs> years on me. I can't give him a hard time for it, but it can be a little bit frustrating and it's more scary than anything. You know, we watch Ozzy so closely as diehard fans and I know the guys listening do also and girls listening. You know, every picture we see, we obsess over it and we look at how he's looking, how he's walking, how he sounds. I don't have serious XM. Dan does. The first question I ask every time they do what Ozzy speaks is anything on the record. How did he sound every time? Because I want to know how much breath he's speaking with when he speaks, you know, because you can tell he's so frail right now. And we're just looking for any good nugget of health and how he looks and sounds and acts. And was he in good spirits and things like that? It matters so much right now. So, yeah, it's just what we do. We obsess over it all. Speaking of which, a new picture came out of Ozzy that was taken by Ross Halfen, and I found it on Twitter. Mark Stiegel of the Metal Voice had posted it. He's also a uh, DJ on Sirius XM's Ozzy's Boneyard, and he posted a photo of Ozzy, and it was fucking excellent. I loved it. It's the best he's looked in so long to me. His hair was 
still had the gray going through it, but it still had the browns also. Just a good weave of the gray and brown. It looked awesome. Really good photo of Ozzy. And, you know, we shared that one on our social medias and, of course, gave him credit for posting it first. And then the next day, Ozzy shared it himself and so did Ross Houghton. And that really blew up on our social medias, man. Everyone really thought Ozzy looked good in that photo. So we know it's more than just us who's really obsessing on how he's looking and sounding right now. Because when he came out and that photo looked so good, our social media pages really exploded with the comments and likes on it. So we were uh, definitely glad to see that. Yeah. It is probably our most successful tweets really blew up. And it is a great picture of Ozzy. He looks fantastic. And dare I say, is that a picture that was maybe taken for the inside of an album? I think so. It looks very professional. I have a gut feeling that that was from the photo shoot of the album. I do too. I think most fans did. I think most fans that saw that went, whoa, this is way too professional. Anything Ross takes is going to be professional in in a setting. But it's the setting of the photo that it just looks, you know, Ozzy looks excellent. He's dressed very debonair. He's dressed very nice for a man his age. It looks great. It wasn't your typical hokey looking photo at all. It was more of a GQ model photo. It just looked regal. I'm like you, man. I feel like there might be an album photo shoot in there because he just had the right look. I love the weave of gray going through his hair. I think it looks fucking awesome. Like we said before, a little bit menacing and a little bit professional at the same time. I kind of like it. Yeah, he looked very elegant to me. I really, really loved the picture, and I hope there's a lot more that come from that photo shoot. But most importantly, like you said earlier, he looked very healthy. I love the little bit of gray in his hair. That blend is perfect, man. I just think he looks absolutely mesmerizing with that gray. Just a little bit in there, because, you know, let's be honest. He's 73 years old. He should start looking his age. I'm just so glad he doesn't dye his hair black like some of these aging rock stars do. It just looks funny to me. It does. And I guess the real question is how Mark Striegel got a copy of that photo before anyone else. That's what we all want to know because he shared it, then we shared it from him, and then Ozzy and Ross the next day shared it. So that's pretty good when you're beating the people themselves to sharing that photo. I don't know how you got a hold of that, but hopefully something soon. So speaking of that, the new album, we still have yet to hear anything. Yeah, so Ozzy Speaks was on again last week, and unfortunately, no news, not a word of the new album. I can get a little frustrated sometimes listening to Ozzy Speaks because it's almost like they purposely don't mention it. It's like... No reason for him not to mention the new record. And instead, we're talking about what it was like to write Paranoid 52 years ago. But I digress. It's awesome that they have the show on. I I listen to it every time it's on. And it was a very quiet episode. Ozzy sounded good. You know, he sounds frail a little bit. But, you know, the best thing I could say is he's very coherent. Him and Billy, who he obviously loves and admires, have some great conversations on there. But very, very quiet on the new album which I know is highly disappointing. I wish they would just come out and tell us, hey, the album's pushed back till August or Q3, whatever the fuck it is. But at this point, I'd rather just know. Yeah, definitely. I want to speak on his relationship with Billy. Ozzy's very comfortable with Billy, and it's obvious. But it's almost like there's a gag order on speaking about the record at this point. Like, there literally is nothing. And there's times Ozzy, in the past, will go off on a little something, and you feel like he's getting ready to say something about the record. And Billy reigns it in every time. It's kind of like, no, 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 you can't go there just yet. And we're all like, fuck! He was getting ready to say something, you know? But, uh, yeah, I'm like you, man. Just let us know what the holdup is. Now, one thing that you told me that they did say on the show... You know, initially we thought that he'd already had this surgery, which to be clear is an additional surgery, like a corrective surgery. He had surgery like a year and a half ago, maybe even two years at this point. I guess it probably was two years because it was before Ordinary Man, right? It's over two years ago at this point. And now he's having to have a corrective surgery, which I knew was coming down the pike. You've heard me on this show, bitch, about those surgeries before. I hate them. And we had the impression that surgery had already been done. And I don't know where we got that impression. I feel like they said it was finished, but apparently it's not. You told me that he made the comment on the show that now his surgery had been pushed back to March. 
Yeah. Which if that's the case in point, we're in March now, maybe the album has been pushed back for his surgery also. So maybe when his surgery got postponed from January to March, that pushed the album back two months also. Yeah, it makes the most sense, doesn't it, Josh? I would have to say it had to be pushed back because of the surgery. You know, the one thing Ozzy really was harping on, too, is how he really has an issue with his balance. He kept talking about how he just wants to get out on stage again, but he can't because his balance is really bad. So he's hoping this surgery somehow, some way corrects the balance issues he's having. And the last thing we want to have is Ozzy have another fall, which started all this. And, you know, we know once you get up there in age, falls really, unfortunately, very deadly. You know, that's a high probability you don't survive that when you start getting older. Yeah, not to mention when Ozzy gets on stage, he becomes another person. We've witnessed that for 50 years now, right? Yep. He's going to get on stage. He's going to go for it. He's going to run. He's going to do something he probably shouldn't do. And next thing you know, whammo, he's hurt. And that's the last thing any of us want to see. So, yeah, we definitely don't want that. I would rather see him go out on his own accord, sitting on a throne, than go up there and get hurt, period. I think anyone would agree with that. We don't really want to see Ozzy sitting down. But if he must go out for one final tour, and I understand that, man. You have a 52-year career. You want to go out on your own. You don't want to go out because of injury or because you have to. You want to go out on your own accord, and I totally get that. But the last thing any of us want to see is him getting hurt. So, yeah, he definitely needs to. There was a video of him and Sharon coming out of the grocery store that we were watching on our uh, chat the other day, and he looked pretty frail walking in that one also. He's definitely not walking very well. And I personally don't think he'll ever walk like he once did ever again, unfortunately. Yeah, just just comfortably. Yeah. Yeah. Age, his issues he's had, the the neck surgery, his Parkinson's disease, now, now which is Parkinson's, it all rolled up into what his lifestyle has been. I just, this is Ozzy of today. I just don't foresee it changing. Yeah, and let's just face it. I mean, he's had the limp for 30 fucking years now. Yep. You know, like absolutely. It's been since, you know, since the No More Tours. No More tour, Tears, right? Yep. So, yep. I mean, that's 30 years. So, uh, 31 years at this point. So, I mean, yeah, like, it just is what it is, man. We're just wishing the best. We just want him safe and healthy and happy. There, there is still the vinyl holdback also that we discussed before on the show that maybe that's a pleasant part of it. But when he said on the show that his surgery got postponed, it just kind of clicked inside my head. I was like, that's what we're waiting on. They, they thought surgery would be done in January. We'll release a single in late January, early February, and he can start promoting. Whereas now surgery is in March, maybe release a single in late March, early April if we're lucky. I did do some research on this. I went to Sony and just kept fucking digging as much as I could. And I did find next quarter's probable releases or whatever. And he is still listed on there. So hopefully it's still in line to come out shortly. Yeah, and let's just be perfectly honest. What could Ozzy not do after surgery for a new album is go out on the press tour. And you know damn well he's going to have to go out on the press tour. They will not release the record until he's ready for that. So, you know, the odd thing is, is bands like Megadeth's got pushed back. But, you know, a band like Ghost, who we're big fans of, they're pressing ahead and their record's coming out here shortly. Colin Hay, another, another artist that I love real well, coming out with his new record next week. So it's just weird how some artists are still able to press ahead, but bands like Megadeth and Ozzy are kind of on the back burner and are delaying their record. Yeah, they're waiting to see. And like Ghost is vying for a number one record also. So yeah, you know, for Ozzy, we're comfortable in knowing that he wants this number one fucking billboard. There's no question. Don't be fooled. Even our boy Ryan is like, man, fuck it. Just release this to digital era. Especially classic artists, man. They rely on the physical sales more than people realize still. I mean, they're releasing fucking cassettes again, right? 
And Ozzy wants that number one record, man. And for him to fucking eclipse that and get it, he's got to have all these physical sales. They want their ducks in a row for that shit for sure before they go full throttle on the press. There's no question about it. Yep, exactly. And one more thing before we get into today's topic, we wanted to address the newest Texas Chainsaw Massacre because we did mention last episode that we were very excited about it. It's been released. I've watched it three times. I know Dan's watched it. Dan three the man. times? Hold on. Yes, You've sir. already seen it three <laughs> times? Yes, I had. Dude, it's free before, on Netflix. Hold on. Shit. Hold on. Before we came on the air, I said, hey, dude, have you watched it more than once? He's like, yeah. You know, thinking you watched it. It's not going another one. <laughs> Three fucking times, Josh? Yeah, Jesus man. Christ. Yeah. I watched yeah. it once at work, like in snippets. Like I'd watch 20 minutes when I had some time. Then I'd kind of, a few minutes later, like go back into it and watch the next 10 or 15. I fucking loved it, man. How about you? awesome. It's excellent. Way better than I was expecting. I got dragged into some bad reviews where me, Josh, and Ryan kind of argued online about it. But overall, I'm super, super happy with this sequel. I love the fact that they're kind of following the Halloween where it's a direct sequel to the original. Listen, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of my all-time favorite horror movies. It is amazing. Toby Hooper is a brilliant director. And this is a very, very good, different sequel that is directly from the original. And I think if you're a fan of the original, you'll absolutely love it. Yeah, there's so many people saying it just didn't have the vibe of the original. Well, of course it doesn't have the vibe of the original. It was 1973 when they filmed that. You're not going to have that vibe. And it was Toby Hooper. Yeah, I mean, of course, you're not going to be able to recreate that. I think a lot of it comes down to expectations. Like, I just never expected it to be anywhere near the original. And it's not. But I didn't expect it to be. You know what I'm saying? I get so irritated. Even with Ozzy, man. So many people, ah, ordinary man sucks. It's nothing like Diary of a Madman. (laughs) Right. No shit, Sherlock. I mean, who really fucking thought that it's going to be? You know what I'm saying? Like, you you can't judge things. Everything isn't a battle as much as we love to battle shit on this show. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022 to be a good film. It doesn't have to be anywhere near the original. It just has to be a good film on its own. And I thought it was. We're definitely going spoiler free, by the way, guys. So if you're listening and you haven't seen it yet, don't worry. We just wanted to address it. We enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. The kills are fucking amazing. I think it's the best kills of the whole damn series, period. I don't think there's any question about that. And Leatherface is amazing in this. Amazing job. Yeah. And so many people hated his mask. I thought his mask was fucking badass, dude. Yeah, it was awesome. It was realistic. It was realistic looking. That's what I liked about it. One complaint I've heard some people say is like, well, how does it stand on his face? Well, if you watch, he puts it behind his ears. He slits a hole and wraps it around his ear. Man, it's fucking killer, I think. I thought it was a great idea. I loved it, man. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And dare I say, I think I enjoyed it better than the new Halloween movies. Oh, man. Yeah, here we go. You know, dude, you know I love the new Halloweens. We've had this debate before. But I got to say, as far as just fun, yep, definitely better than Halloween Kills. And I loved Halloween Kills. It took me a minute to come around to it. The first viewing, I wasn't as crazy about it. The whole Evil Dies Tonight got annoying as hell. Yeah, I'm still not big on it. You know, I like bits and pieces of Halloween Kills, but overall, I'm a little down on the series. But Texas Chainsaw 22, it just has, I think, what most slasher fans want. Simple plot. Look, a bunch of kids come into his town, and he don't like their way of living, and he fucking slaughters them. That's kind of all it needs to be, and that's that's all it is, and that's fucking great, you know? Yeah, that's been my biggest complaint always. If you're watching a slasher flick, it's what makes Friday the 13th and the original Halloween amazing, which is a simple plot. There is a reason why Friday the 13th, the series, is successful. It's because Jason is hanging out in the woods. We get young teenagers and college people go up to the woods for a weekend, and they get slaughtered. Boom, bang, yep. bang. That's the plot. And it doesn't need weird, more than that. Yeah, in a weird way, they're in his fucking house. Yeah, so, exactly. like, in a way, they're the ones that's fucked up, right? I mean, you yes. Know, 
They shouldn't be in his territory. Same with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Don't come near fucking Leatherface and he won't fuck you up. Exactly. And they give a but, good reason why he kills. But yeah, I loved it, man. We had discussed this before we come on the show, so we'll go ahead and just spoil it and say we both ranked it number four of the nine films in the series. Dan and I both had it at four. So that's pretty high regard, I think, from both of us. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's very, very well regarded. Yeah. Awesome, awesome movie. Check it out. I kind of didn't want to say it, but then again, I guess I'll go ahead and say it. We have the same top four. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing, but the more we go on, like, fuck it, I'll say it. We both had the original number one, yep. the 2003 remake two. Part three, Leatherface at number three, and then this one at number four. So we, it's kind of funny that we were both on the same uh, level of thinking with it. But yeah, yeah it's, it's, I feel very comfortable where I have it because I think it definitely is better than the others. And uh, part three just really has always stood out for me as one I just love. I think we've talked about it on here before. So I, it's hard for me to put it above that one. But yeah. Yeah, it is solid, solid film for sure. And as we'll find out with this episode, sometimes nostalgia just can't be beaten. It's tough, man. It's tough. Yeah. All right, which brings us to our episode today, Ozzy's Top 10 Ballads Ranked. What we're going to do is what we typically do on our show. We're going to go through all 18 of Ozzy's ballads. We're going to talk about them in detail, hopefully give you a couple of nuggets on it. And then at the end, Josh and I are going to rank our ballads and hopefully find out what your lists are. So I just want to be perfectly clear. We are only including ballads that are on his official solo records. And what that means is no Sabbath songs. What it also means is no B-sides. So no voodoo dancer no amy and tracks like that also no dream for tomorrow which is an unreleased track from the Ozzyland sessions that i'm sure most of you are heard by now so this is only songs that have been officially released on an ozzy osborne record that also means no close my eyes forever which was a collaboration on a lita ford record yeah i was about to say also no collaborations because close my eyes forever was definitely one that we all would have high Massive, massive track in Ozzy's catalog. But yeah, I'm excited for this one, man. I have a soft spot for the ballads. I always have. I grew up a child of the 80s, and the power ballad was such a big part of my childhood, man. I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah, and I think something about Ozzy's ballads, before we get into the list, are so much more than power ballads. Because to me, most of them, if not all of them, have great, great lyrics, regardless who has written them over the years. But they have a lot more deeper meaning than just, I love you like a typical power ballad. There's a lot of deep thought in these songs. And I'll say it as loud as anybody can hear me. I believe in this age of where Ozzy is, I believe he would rather be making albums in full, like Ordinary Man, Holy for Tonight, you know, because that is as close to the Beatles as you can possibly get as an Ozzy Osbourne solo artist. And I think that's where his heart truly lies. And you could hear it in his performances on the ballads. Yeah, I agree totally. And even though it's not on our list because it wasn't released on the Ozzy record, Gods with Billy Morrison. Billy told the story that Ozzy asked him, hey, man, I haven't seen you in a while. Where you been? And Billy said, I'm working on my new record. And Ozzy's like, well, I want to come sing on it. Do you have a ballad? And Billy's like, of course I have a ballad. And Ozzy's like, great, I'll come sing on it. And Billy had to go write a ballad real quick because he didn't actually have a ballad. <laughs> <I love laughs> he didn't want story. to, Ozzy, no. But Ozzy wanted to sing on a ballad because that's what he's comfortable doing. And like you said, I think it's kind of where his heart is a lot of the times right now. And even songs like Mom, I'm Coming Home, you know, there was no ballads on The Ultimate Sin, no ballads on No Rest for the Wicked. Well, he admitted he had Mom, I'm Coming Home since like 1987. Yeah, he'd had that for years. Like, not completed, but the chorus and stuff. So, you know, Ozzy's always got these in his mind, and I think ballads are what's more typical and easy for him to write. They're more natural. Agreed, and those Beatles influences just are undeniable. They're they all pop, over the place. For sure. Yeah, they yeah. pop, and that's who Ozzy is. If you're a true Ozzy Osbourne fan, you just know that is who he truly is. 
All right, so we're going to go song by song on my album here and talk a little bit about the Ozzy Ballads. And the first one from his 1981 debut, Blizzard of Oz, is The Amazing Goodbye to Romance, written with Ozzy, Randy Rhodes, and Bob Daisley. This is the first track that Ozzy and Randy ever wrote together. It was definitely about him leaving Sabbath and the breakup of Black Sabbath. Ozzy had a lot of lyrics for this one, and Bob came in and finished them. The title came from an Everly Brothers song, Bye Bye Love. I don't know if you know that, but I thought that was kind of cool. You know, again, Ozzy is showing his love for early rock and roll, which is what he grew up on. But uh, fantastic song. This was also one of the four songs demoed for Blizzard of Oz before they went into the studio with Max Norman incredible guitar work by randy on this one like in the song structure i mean when you listen to goodbye to romance this is one that just sounds like a classical composition what do you think josh yeah no question and there's not a whole lot i can add to that i mean it's a beautiful song it's an aussie staple it's one that any aussie fan knows and loves and is familiar with you know it's a it's a ballad without being sappy right and everything you said about it man let's get information the everly brothers i don't know that i've ever heard that before so even i am learning stuff on the show here today ladies and gentlemen but no, yeah. it's fucking goodbye to romance, man. It's fucking great. And I think this is one of the songs that Ozzy and Randy wrote together for the first time. And this is the first song that Randy started teaching Ozzy about keys, where he was working with Ozzy saying, no, let's do it in this key. You sound better in this key. You know, and Randy, the genius that he is and was, he was easily able to transcribe his songs into any key he wanted because he was a fucking god on the guitar. So wonderful melody by Ozzy. Again, I'm going to say this a lot on the show, so be prepared. Very Beatlesque in his melodies. I absolutely love that he played this song a lot live. This was the infamous song that he hung Ronnie on for the Diary of a Madman tour. And just an amazing song. Like Josh said, it's not sappy at all. When he plays this live, it doesn't even feel like a ballad. And we're going to say that a lot about these songs. Ozzy does a wonderful blend of being rock and ballady in the same song. Absolutely. And of course, Randy Rhodes' guitar solo through the fucking roof, right? I mean, he's Randy Rhodes. It's fucking amazing. And like you said, the classical element is strong in this song. And really, if you listen to a lot of Randy's old Quiet Riot stuff, doing his guitar solo especially, you can hear snippets of Goodbye to Romance in that. So there's definitely some riffage that Randy had laying around for a while as far as structures and things. But it was fun to hear him go to Ozzy and then it turned into Goodbye to Romance and become such a fucking massive song, man. What a great tune. Yeah, great point. And again, I think it shows you the genius of Ozzy. You know, that riff that you talked about, Randy used to play in his live shows during the guitar solo on For Quiet Riot, but he brings that to Ozzy and look what became of it. One of the greatest fucking power ballads ever written in Goodbye to Romance. Yeah, no question, man. And Ozzy may have even heard him in there jamming that. You know, Randy's told the story a few times of how, and so has Ozzy, that Ozzy would hear him jamming on something. Hey, what was that? Let's work on it. He could have just been in there playing that, you know, warming up. And Ozzy heard some of that riffage for Goodbye to Romance. And the next thing you know, there's their first song they ever wrote together. And that's amazing. Can you imagine the high those guys had to walk out of that room? I mean, you and I have talked about this. Writing a song with another person, it's a very intimate experience. I don't know how else to explain it, man, but there is no other high like it. When you come in with an idea and you work with somebody else on it and you guys walk out of the room together with a new fucking baby and the high those two guys must have felt walking out of there thinking, holy shit, we have something special. Here. Yeah. And just hearing it come together. I know typically in my band, like I'll have a riff and then when I bring it to the group and then we start jamming on it and then you start hearing it with drums and you're kind of like, fuck yeah, you know, and it's yep. typically not what you even had in your mind, you know, your drummer will do something different than what you hear. And then the vocal starts adding melodies and vocals and it's so great to hear them come together. But you know, another thing that, that leads us to say is we mentioned a minute ago how Ozzy has a passion for his ballads. Well, how about that? His first song he wrote is a solo artist with randy rhodes was a ballad 
So there you go. Right. Great point. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that brings us to the Diary of a Madman album, which has one ballad also, which is the track Tonight, written by Ozzy, Randy Rhodes, Bob Daisley, and Lee Kerslake, released in 1981 also. So Tonight, for me, man, is a absolute monster. And it's a song that of all of Ozzy's catalog, if I were to list underappreciated songs, Tonight probably tops the list because people just aren't near as familiar with this song as they are Goodbye to Romance, right? And a lot of that probably comes from not being in the set list. It was never played live. But man, what an amazing fucking chorus on that song. The power of the guitar on that chorus, those power chords, and the amazing melody from Ozzy. The guitar solo, the outro solo is just so fucking good. And for those that don't know, it's kind of well known. But for those of you that don't know, Randy was just jamming. That wasn't even his finished guitar solos. But they ran out of time and he never had time to go finish them. That was just improv guitar soloing. And it's fucking absolutely epic. Tonight is absolutely fucking beautiful, man. I love that song and I love everything about it. How about you? Tonight is one of the greatest songs ever recorded. Everything from the intricate music that Randy wrote, that amazing bass line that Bob Daisley came up with. I think a lot of people like to talk about Bob's lyric writing because, in my opinion, it's a slam on Ozzy, but what's not given enough credit is Bob Daisley's bass playing, especially the Diary of a Man album in particular. His bass playing is one of the best bass playing records of all time. But tonight, the bass part might be the most memorable part of that musical part of the song. I it's absolutely- damn near the lead. Yeah, yeah, it is damn near the lead. It's yeah, so sure. goddamn good. Rudy Sarzo said to me, you very Paul McCartney-esque melodic. And again, Ozzy's melody, incredibly Beatles. You know, this is one of my all-time favorite Ozzy songs. I'm not going to lie. The melodies, the lyrics, the chorus, the fucking bridge as I bang my head against the wall, the guitar solo. Let's just be perfectly honest here. The solos to Goodbye to Romance and Tonight in particular are literally the blueprint of me playing leads as a guitar player there's no other songs more influential to me as a player from a guitar solo perspective and to me this song just is a such a wonderful performance by ozzy he's hitting wonderful notes and his range really is starting to show here on tonight how great his range is as a vocalist yeah, but you know, his range also is on display in Goodbye to Romance, man. Those backing vocals on Goodbye to Romance are higher than shit. That definitely doesn't get discussed enough. Not that this is a battle between those two songs, but I'm just saying, I agree with you, though. On Tonight, it's more out front. that You can really hear how far his range is starting to reach. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, and also how vulnerable is his voice in those verses. Now I'm back out on the street again. It never rains unless it pours. Unless it pours. Fuck, Bob is a genius, man. It's fucking great. Yeah. These lyrics are some of my all-time favorite lyrics. Try to get back on my feet again. I hear the raging thunder as it roars tonight. There's going to be a theme here because Ozzy has three ballads with the name Tonight in it. And I fucking love them all. But this is the original. And fuck, I don't know if it's ever been better. Yeah. And like we said earlier, even I said it and you said the, the chorus is just so powerful. And vocally... The only lyrics on tonight on the chorus really is tonight for the most part, right? Is it just a rhapsody or am I right? Tonight, tonight. But man, it's just so fucking well delivered. The passion in his voice is just so fucking there, man. It's just powerful, powerful song. And like I said, Randy's guitar playing behind that. I remember being younger when I first discovered Ozzy and Randy Rhodes. I was around twelve or thirteen and hearing that song and just instantly being taken by Randy on the on the chorus of that song. And it by no means is he playing a intricate riff or anything like that. It's just power fucking chords man 
he hits that E note so fucking hard. It just sounds so good. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful song. Also, as an FYI, that's Johnny Cook on the keyboards, not Lindsey Bridgewater and not Don Airy, which I think Don Airy is listed as credited as the keyboard player, but is actually a gentleman by the name of Johnny Cook who played keyboards on the Diary record. Up next is the classic ballad So Tired from the 1983 blockbuster Bark at the Moon, written by, quote unquote, Ozzy by himself. I think with a little bit of help with Bob and Jake on this one. So Tired has so many Beatle influences in it. It definitely at the time was even more of a ballad than Goodbye to Romance and Tonight. This was definitely seen as like, oh shit, Ozzy went a little bit of a different direction. I remember seeing him perform it on Solid Gold. He had that kick-ass video where he plays all the different characters and the mirror broke and lodged in his throat, which scared the shit out of me because I thought it was going to harm his vocal cords. But the music of So Tired is legit. Jake came in and had to follow in Randy's footsteps. The guitar solo he plays is amazing. I love some of the melodies here too. My favorite part of the song is definitely the bridge. And I often sit and wonder why you're not with me tonight. The melody is so goddamn good there. Ozzy again is on fire. The outro, you know, I'm so tired, so tired. You know, he just kind of repeats the refrain at the end. But God, another couple of great notes he's hitting there. I I love the orchestration. He brought in Lewis Clark to do that, who also did the orchestration on the song Diary of a Madman. So tired. Very, very nostalgic for me. It's a fucking beautiful song, man. And, you know, it's a song that gets a lot of hate from a lot of the fans. And Jakey Lee himself, like Jake's went on record. He does not like this song at all. But like you said earlier, he fucking absolutely nails the guitar solo. It's perfect. It's perfect. I'm huge on the song. Always have been. Again, like you said, very Beatles-esque. You know, written about the trouble of Ozzy and Thelma, right? It's written about living two lives, one with the lady you're married to, another with the lady you're in love with, and what that was like going through that. And it's a fucking beautiful song that I think a lot of people lyrically can really relate to. You know, I often sit and wonder why you're not with me tonight. You know, I keep believing that you mean what you say. Be mine tomorrow, now tomorrow's today. You're just so tired of waiting. It's almost written from the standpoint of Sharon, right? Waiting on Ozzy to, to leave Thelma to be with her or whatever, you know, however you want to look at it. But it's such cool fucking lyrics, man. Amazing melody. Like you said, heavy orchestration. The first true ballad. Like, there's no question. This song's a ballad, right? I mean, it's yep. all the way through. It's a ballad. And really kind of comes out of nowhere on the Bark of the Moon record, which is very up-tempo and driven. You know, then all of a sudden you have this ballad. And I fucking love it, man. And an alternate lyric that I always thought was kind of cool initially, I think it was, you know, I just mentioned this a minute ago, I often sit and wonder why you're not with me tonight. I stayed at home remaining true while you do what you want to do. But initially it was, I stayed at home remaining true while you're out with you know who, which I think is pretty cool. You know, you're in love with somebody, but yet they're in love with you also, but they're still with somebody else. And you know, they're out with them running around and stuff. And that would be a hard thing to take, you know, to sit at home and you're by yourself while you know your, your love is with someone else running around, you know, even though they're in love with you also. It's, it's a very, the, the tangled webs we weave kind of story. You know what I mean? And I fucking love this one. Yeah, Bob is on fire lyrically. I do think Ozzy contributed a lot. I love the demo. If you guys have not heard the demo that was released of this song, Ozzy sounds great on it. You know, a lot of the times when Ozzy writes, he's singing the melody, right? A lot of times it's just gibberish to get the melody down. Is the way my singers also wrote. Bob or Geezer or Lemmy would go back and rewrite the lyrics. So on the demo, a lot of these lyrics stayed the same. Definitely the bridge, which I think Ozzy kind of had in his head, which also happens a lot. Ozzy has a theme he wants to write about, has a couple of lyrics here and there, and then Bob 
would go and finish the process. I love the demo version of the song. I listen to it quite often. It's not as good as, as the actual Max Norman produced song, but fuck, if you have not heard the demo, definitely check it out. Yeah, for sure. And we're big on demos in the show anyway, so it's definitely fun. And was played live a time or two, not very often. That live performance is great. Yeah, I'd like to hear more of that. I'd like to hear that today. <laughs> I don't know how well it would sound, but it would definitely be fun, right? Yes, and the other little piece of nostalgia I can give you on this song is on the Bark at the Moon tour in America. When the show was over and Paranoid was finished and Ozzy said goodnight and the lights came up, he played so tired. Yeah, very cool. He's always kind of done that. You know, going back in my experience of, of seeing him live, he's always played Black Sabbath 13 tour. They played Zeitgeist as we're leaving the arena and stuff like that. So, yeah, he's always kind of done that. I like that. It's just a good way of throwing them in there anyway as you're exiting. So, yeah, great song. That brings us to the next ballad on our list. There's zero from The Ultimate Sin, and there's zero from zero. No Rest of the Wicked. I'm so glad you said that. Before we move on to the next song, I just want to really emphasize that again. I mean, we had three ballads off his first three records. You know, that was the standard one ballad a record. We don't consider You Can't Kill Rock and Roll a ballad. To me, that's a rock and roll song. Amazing that Ultimate Sin and No Rest Wicked don't have ballads because the closest thing to ballads on those records would have been Killer of Giants and Fire in the Sky, but those are epics, and we'll eventually have our Aussie Best Epics episode as well. Now, there was The Liar, which was released for No Rest for the Wicked, but that was a Japanese B-side, so it did not make the list. Those two records in particular are probably Ozzy's two most rocking of his career straight through. You know, those two records just jam. Yeah, the ultimate sense definitely rocking, as we discussed on the episode. He's rocking in every song, <laughs> That's right? A good one, it is. I mean, no question, right? So, yeah, that said, when 1991 hits and he drops No More Tears, it's checked full of awesome ballads. Yep. So now we come to No More Tears, and this album has three ballads. And the first one we're going to discuss is the smash success of Mama, I'm Coming Home. Written by Ozzy, Zach, and Lemmy from Motorhead. Cool thing about Mama is it was originally written on the piano. And at the last minute when they were getting ready to record the song, Zach decided to play it on a 12-string guitar. And really almost gave it the sound of the song. Because it's got that really cool kind of southern intro that Zach plays. It almost has become the backbone of what this song sounds like. But I would love to hear the song as piano-driven. I think it might even be better. Because I've said this before. Ozzy with a piano equals smash success. A wonderful song. His biggest song of his solo career that is not a collaboration. It's his only top 40 singles solo song outside of Close My Eyes Forever and, of course, Take What You Want. So the, the saying, Mama, I'm Coming Home, actually is what Ozzy would say while he was on tour while he was talking to Sharon. It's written about Sharon, and when they'd hang up, he'd say, Mama, I'm coming home. So that's definitely where the song title and the song ideas came from. You know, obviously he left the lyrics with Lemmy. We know the story real well. Lemmy wrote him like, I think, three different sets of lyrics within two hours and read a book that Ozzy brought him. The one thing I'm going to say is Lemmy's on this list a lot, right, Josh? Yeah, I don't sure. understand why he stopped working with him after osmosis. I'll never understand it. It really bums me out because I think Ozzy and Lemmy have that same magic that Ozzy and Bob had, that chemistry together. Mama, I'm coming home. You can't deny it. Two different videos. I like the one sepia-toned one much better than the oddball one. But For sure. Yeah, great, great song. Yeah, it's Mom, I'm Coming Home, man. I mean, what more can we say about it that we haven't already this episode and the past episode with the battle? It's a backbone of Ozzy Osbourne's career, no question about it. You know, some songs take on a life of their own like Crazy Train. 
And behind Paranoid and Crazy Train, next for Ozzy Osbourne is Mom, I'm Coming Home. There's no doubt it's on TV commercials all over the place. It's on The Bachelor. It's on all these different shows. And for good reason. It's a fucking great song. The melodies, the lyrics, they're all amazing. But also, Zach's guitar solo is so spot on in that, in that song, man. It's absolutely perfect. The perfect extent of serving the song. He does shred a little, but just enough. It's fucking excellent, man. Mama coming home is it's absolutely amazing. There's not much more you can say about it. Like you said, the, the bends at the beginning of the, of the song has that little southern flavor that Zach was so into in the early nineties. I'm like you, the acoustic guitar is perfect, but I would love to hear the piano ballad of that. There's no question. A piano demo of that would be so fun to listen to. Even if it's not as good, it would just be so fun to hear it. So I will say this. I was just reading an article about Zach and he said he could play the solo to Mama I'm coming home in his sleep. And he means that the biggest compliment he can give himself. Because he's always on record saying the best guitar solos are the simplest ones, which is kind of odd coming from Zach. But you definitely nailed it. That guitar solo is great. And you said it earlier. Ozzy had this melody for years before they absolutely made it into a song. So I wonder if Ozzy had the melody. This is one of the rare songs that Ozzy does in a solo career where the verse melody follows the guitar line. You know, he doesn't do that very much in a solo career. I wonder if Ozzy had the melody first and Zach wrote the music around it to kind of follow the melody. Yeah, very well could be. I mean, Ozzy's made the comment. I want to say he said since like 1987 that he had the song laying around. So you're looking at, you know, four years, which now doesn't sound like a whole lot to us. But back then when people were pumping out records two a year or one every year, you know, it's, it's actually quite a long time that it was laying around. So, yeah, very well could have. Zach could definitely have written around the melody. There's no question there. And again, serving the song. And it's, it's just fucking beautiful. I love it. All right, that brings us to the next track, also from the album No More Tears, which is Time After Time, written by Ozzy and Zach Wilde, primarily lyrically written by Ozzy Osbourne on this one. Time After Time is a song that I personally love. You know, on the battle, we definitely discussed this one quite a lot that I chose it, and I think I was the only one that actually chose this one in the battle over My Little Man. You sure were. And I just always really liked this song. I think a lot of it has to do with time and place. You know, this is when I was just getting into my Aussie fandom when this song was on MTV quite a bit, you know, and I would see it and hear it. But I think it's a beautiful song. Great melodies. The opening for this song was very similar to Goodbye to Romance. And I've just always loved it, man. Beautiful guitar solo. I'm not as big on the demo version, which has way too much guitar soloing going behind the vocals. I'm not a big fan of that. That's very annoying. And actually, I hear it great as i'm listening to it and i wish i could just take it away but the actual studio cut on no more tears that we all know so well i i fucking love it man i think it's a great song yeah i think i was a little hard on it in our last episode i mean i do still prefer my little man over time after time but i will have to say i think the verses are very very underrated you know that time after time i guess that love is blind i couldn't read your mind line after line you know and then he comes in with that harmony right line after line it was written in your eyes how beautiful is his harmonies on this song I think they are fucking gorgeous. Ozzy just really sounds so good in 91, man. He does. And like we've said before, No More Tears is a very slick production. Time After Time is a great example of that. Like you said, the, the harmonies on those vocals there, the production is so good on this song. And it's really, you get what you pay for, right? And production back then cost a lot of money. And this is a song where I thought they really did a good job of making it sound as good as they could. Yeah, I do love the guitars behind the second verse. Day After Day, I Watch Love Fade Away. But Zach is playing behind him. He's playing that little harmony, and it's it's kind of subtle. Let me j jump in on that with you. That's what I wanted to say as you brought that up. I agree with you on the studio version. On the demo, yes. it's really fucking loud. Yep, yep. They do a much better job. It's produced much better in the studio version. Absolutely. No uh, yeah. question. 
and it's gorgeous. It's a beautiful guitar line, man. Yeah, it's beautiful so, when it's in there subtly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Absolutely. <laughs> it's when it's in there at guitar solo volume that I kind of go, oh, man, that's fucking white loud. Like, what is that? So here's my problem with the song. I don't like the pre-chorus very well. The, I can hear them whispering shadows in the rain, thinking how it might have been. That whole part, for some reason, just really brings the song down compared to how gorgeous the verse melody is. You know, the same with the candlelight or shimmering shadows on the wall. For some reason, that part I just don't like very well. But overall, it's a solid song. It's fucking early 90s Aussie. It's fantastic. Let me jump in with you there. I really don't agree with you on that. We agree that No More Tears as an album is one of his more dated. Like it sounds like early 1990s, right? We yeah. agree with that. And I think that pre-chorus of Time After Time is a shining example. It sounds 90s. Is that something that you've come to with time? Or have you always felt that way about the pre-chorus of this song? Nope. It's come with me over time. At first, I used to love this song. I will say, is there a part of you or my reaching here that the line after line, could it be about his drug use ruining his relationship? You know, very well could be, man. It's symbolic. If so, that's a very smart line from Ozzy directly. You you, you would expect that from Geezer or Bob, right? I actually expect it for Ozzy because Ozzy loves to write about his drug addiction. You know? Yeah, every song that Ozzy's heavy-handed with writing the lyrics, I always have, there's like three topics, right? Drugs, voices in your head. Not not wanting to quit. Yeah, so that's, that's your ones. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and loving the fans, right? The love yeah, the loving fans. the fans. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That would be a very witty line if that's the case of what it's about, and it, and it very well could be. Yeah, I mean, time after time, line after line, you broke me. I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like there is some... Double entendre there with the line after line. Very well could be. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It's intuitive information there. It could be. Something to think about. Up next, that brings us to also on No More Tears, Road to Nowhere. Uh, definitely a classic Aussie staple in his live set. I think he's played this essentially every show since No More Tours, right? Written by Ozzy Osbourne, Zach Wilde, and Mr. Randy Castillo. And I see the drummer get a little love on the writing credits sometimes. Massive hit. Zach Wilde is definitely the standout performance for me in Road to Nowhere. I absolutely love his lead guitar playing on it. Not only the guitar solo, but the intro and the outro is so fucking beautiful. This is what more fans want from Zach Wilde, I feel like. And I love Zach. I'm not trying to bag on it, but instead of the shredding, we want more My Mom Coming Home solo. We want more Road to Nowhere solo, where it's just feel and it's just bends and and, and, and moods. It just sounds so fucking good, man. But yeah, Road to Nowhere. I mean, what can we say about it that hasn't already been said? Excellent lyrics about, you know, his self-doubt and living with insecurities that Ozzy lives with that so many of us relate to. And it's a beautiful song, man. And no doubt this would make most people's top 10 list who's listening to this show. I'm going to have to say this is one of my favorite sets of lyrics Ozzy has done. I'm sure Randy helped a little bit. Uh, Randy Castillo, that is. But I, I think most of these are Ozzy lyrics for sure. This is clearly an autobiographical song written by Ozzy about his life. And the lyrics really speak to me. We talk a lot about Ozzy's insecurities. They've started before he was even in Black Sabbath. And he hit a lot of it by being a jokester, right? Hey, I have so much insecurities, but fuck it. I'm going to be a clown and everybody's going to like me because I'm funny. To me, this is him pouring his fucking heart out on a lyric. I love this song. I know it didn't win the battle versus old LA tonight a couple of weeks ago for me, but it doesn't mean that this isn't one of my favorite Aussie ballads. The outro was kind of like a precursor to what we're going to get here in osmosis, but goddamn, I love that outro Aussie does at the end where he's kind of vamping off of the, off the course. Sometimes that's some of my favorite parts of Aussie songs is when he does those outros. And I love the Beatlesque bridge. 
those ahs, the road to nowhere is going to pass me by. Yeah, I hope we never have to say goodbye. I never want to live without you. Fuck. A lyric about a guy having insecurities and feeling like he's going to lose his woman, lose everything. God, it's just, it really hits home, man. I think this is an A-plus song. I think Ozzy did feel that. I mean, we know he's definitely insecure, but one thing you said just now was lose everything. I think Ozzy definitely has always felt that way. Like, I, I, I come from nothing. Now I have all this, and I could lose it all so quick. And, you know, with all the issues he had with Sharon in the late 80s, you know, the drug abuse that led him to do things he's not proud of and so on and so forth, I'm sure he often felt that way. Like, you know, I could lose it all in one instance, and, and he could, including his life, right, with all the drug use and stuff. So what a great song. All right, up next, we move to the Osmosis album. People complain that it's ballad heavy. I would argue back that I think it's just as heavy as it is ballad heavy. It's got a good dynamic and a good mix to it. We have four ballads off of Osmosis, and we're going to start with Ghost Behind My Eyes, which was written by Ozzy, Mark Hudson, and Steve Dudas. Originally written for the Ozzy Land Sessions. I mean, we've all heard that demo as well, which is a little bit different. This is a very haunting, haunting song. It's really beautiful. At the same time, Ozzy on Osmosis, and we're gonna, we've talked about it over and over and over again, vocally is on another level. I could still make an argument. I think it's his best album of his career vocally. I believe that. There's no question about it. And Ghost Behind My Eyes, we find Ozzy hitting notes that he may have never hit in his life. Some great lyrics. I love some of the imagery that is used in the lyrics. You know, there's a person living in my head. She comes to visit every night in bed. I fight the demon, but it just won't fall. The voices in my dungeon starting to call. Really, really witty, great lyrics, probably by Mark Hudson here. But I think a really, really great song. Cool little guitar solo by Zach, which I think sets it apart from the demo. And goddamn, the notes Ozzy hits at the end of this song. They are fucking up there, dude. Anybody that doesn't think Ozzy's a good singer, you go ahead and sing this song. What do you think, Josh? Suicide of love, we could have had it all. I fucking love that line, man. Suicide of love, we could have had it all. So fucking beautiful, man. So beautiful. But like we said earlier, haunting. This is a very haunting song. It's not one that in my mind I think of as a ballad necessarily. I just kind of view it as a, you know, down tempo, fucking, you know, haunting, creepy song. But that said, most people will call it a ballad. So we'll call it a ballad today. Me and Dan disagree sometimes on what a ballad actually is. This has been an ongoing debate between us for years now. <laughs> sometimes about some of these tracks, right, Dan? This song is about love, though. Suicide of Love, we could have had it all. It's about, I don't know, I guess it is. I don't I just never. Ooh, you know what? Ozzy released a promo called The Ballads of Oz, which was a single for Osmosis. It was a four-song demo, and it had four songs, and it was See You on the Other Side, Ghost Behind My Eyes. Well, fuck me. I Just Want You, which we do not consider a ballad, and Old L.A. Tonight, but it's Missing My Little Man, which is clearly a ballad. So who the fuck knows, but that was an official release by Ozzy in 1995. Okay, so Ghost Behind My Eyes is a ballad. Eh, what do I know? I'm just a dude that plays music and does a podcast. Hey, it's uh, you know, listen, it didn't have my little man on it either. I mean, that's clearly a ballad. I think you have a valid point. Yeah, you know, we don't consider I just want you a ballad, and that's on there. That's true. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? That's and right. It is what you, you want it to be. That's the beauty of art. You see it how you want to see it. When I think ballad, I think love song, be it cheesy or not. I still think love songs. But Ghost Behind My Eyes is about the suicide of love. I mean, no question. And maybe we shouldn't use the word ballad because the true version of a ballad is the ballad of John and Yoko by the Beatles, which is more of a tale. The power ballad 
is kind of fucking pissed all over what the true meaning of a ballad is. But that said, no, I love this song, man. Ghost Behind My Eyes, like I've mentioned on the show several times. It's one I frequently play and sing along with on my guitar and stuff. It's such a beautiful song. Some really intricate guitar playing in there, too. It's nothing complicated, but it's fun. It's different. It's not just your basic cordage. But yeah, a great song written with Mark Hudson. Like you said, anything with Mark Hudson has a Beatles vibe to it. Ozzy loves the Beatles. Mark Hudson loves the Beatles. When those two guys get together, it's Beatles vibey all fucking day, this period. I love this one, man. I'm, I'm a big fan of it. So up next, that brings us to Also on Osmosis, See You on the Other Side. Originally written for the Live and Loud live CD. It was going to be a bonus track, and they ended up not using bonus tracks on that CD. And then it pushed over to the Osmosis recording. Written by Ozzy, Zach, and Lemmy. And written for the passing of Sam Kennison. When Sam Kennison, the comedian, passed away, the song was written for him. Beautiful song, man. I think this song is damn near religious. Not in what it's about. It just has a religious feel to it. Like I'll see you on the other side and I'll see you when it comes to glory. There's so many, you know, moments where it sounds biblical almost. And it's just a beautiful song. Opening with that thumping bass is dun dun dun. And I have to remind myself sometimes that's Geezer Butler. We forget when we listen to Ozzy's solo that that's Geezer Butler. You know, like you just I don't know, we get so used to everything being Bob, you know. That's a great point. I never really think of that when I hear that. Yeah, I don't either. And I have to remind myself sometimes, like, oh, that's so fucking cool, you know, skeezer. Had the very 90s washy wah wah sound of, you know, the, the, the flangy effect on the guitars. But I love this song, man. I love when it kicks in. The guitar solo's perfect. Ozzy's melodies, though, and he sings it with so much compassion and conviction. It's just a beautiful song. Beautiful lyrics written for a friend of all of theirs, I'm sure. And I fucking love this one, man. See you on the other side is a song. I know my wife is very big on this one. It's one of her favorite Aussie songs. For one, let me just throw this out there. Osmosis is heavy. Fuck everybody that says it's not. It does have some ballads, but Osmosis is fucking heavy as shit. I love Osmosis. See you on the other side is one of the best tracks on Osmosis. And I'll never understand why it wasn't as big a single as I probably think it should have been. Agreed. And another one that was never played live, which I would have loved to hear Ozzy do this one live. This is a song I can't stop listening to, I'm not going to lie. It is every day in my rotation, I listen to See You on the Other Side. While I agree it has a lot of biblical phrasings and lyrics to it, I also think you can really enjoy this song regardless if you believe in the other side or not because of the emotion that Ozzy speaks with. And the lyric I go to is, Never thought I'd feel like this, strange to be alone, yeah, but we'll be together carved in stone. A great fucking lyric, man. Lemmy is a goddamn genius. I will tell you that that to me means... Even being laid to rest together, you know, the one you love, you're going to be together forever. It's a very emotional song. I have cried a few times listening to Ozzy songs the first time. This is one of them, one of three. It's a very emotional song. I think Ozzy's performance really makes the song. Lyrics are great. Music's great. Goddamn Zach is amazing on it. You got Dean Castronova on drums, who's a phenom. And of course, the man Geezer on bass, right? Originally demoed with Michael Wagner with a saxophone. If you guys have not heard that version, I don't like the demo nearly as well as the final product that Michael Beinhorn did. The emotion Ozzy sings this song with can randomly move me to tears. It is one of his best vocal performances of his career. And fuck me is that outro behind Maybe I Just Want You, the best outro of Ozzy's solo career. It is a Ozzy classic, and I agree with you. I personally think people talk about the Mama I'm Coming Homes and the Crazy Trains and his Bark at the Moons. I believe See You on the Other Side should be up there as legendary of a song. Yeah, and the demo version has 
Randy Castillo on drums and Mike Inez. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's awesome too to think about. So you know, I say, whoa, that's Geezer. Whoa, whoa, that's Mike Inez. Really have very few studio performances with Ozzy, right? I mean, we know him from the live and loud sessions, and then of course he goes on to Allison Chains after that. But yeah, that's Mike Inez and Randy Castillo on that also, which is another fun fact of the demo version. So yeah, what a great song and a funny little funny moment. It took Dan and Ryan to correct me one time, but I remember I got on our group chat and I messaged you guys, and I was like, the lyrics for see you on the other side and you guys are like yeah and i'm like it does say does it last forever right <laughs> and both you guys are like no does stand ash forever <laughs> i've sung does it last forever for 20 fucking years and now it's so hard not to because that's just what i've always heard in my head does it last forever you right. know it's like no dust and ash forever so hey Classic. happens to all of us right but what a great fucking song like you say great lyrics yeah it's just such a fucking great song I will say it's cool, though, that Michael Ian is, you know, he recorded seven songs with Ozzy and Michael Wagner during those demo sessions. And we've talked about this. Slow Burn is one of the songs that have still not been released from those sessions. The other six songs have been released. You know how weird that Ozzy and Lemmy seem to write so many ballads together. I mean, you get these two fucking metal monsters together. And more likely than not, it's a ballad. I mean, even Ain't No Nice Guy after all, right? I mean, ballad, it's always right? a ballad. It's just so strange. Not always, but usually a ballad. It's so strange. So Yeah, it is. Which brings us to our next song, My Little Man. Also from Osmosis, written by, credited to Ozzy and Steve Vai. But we all know that Lemmy also assisted with the lyrics as well. Written about Jack Osborne, Ozzy's son. This song we talked a lot about on the last episode moves me a lot because... It really makes me think of my son and my nephews. The lyrics are very personal to me. You know, Ozzy and Lemmy did a wonderful job on them. I think the big issue with this song is the electric sitar that that Zach plays on it, which I'm sure is just copied from what Steve I did on the demos. And we're going to talk about a little bit about that after we're done talking about My Little Man. Ozzy's trying to be George Harrison with the Beatles here, because obviously George Harrison plays a lot of sitar in the Beatles. It just doesn't fit the song for me. I think it would have been better if it was just on guitar, because the performance vocally is insane, and the lyrics are some of my all-time favorite lyrics of any song of all time. It's a very solid song. Only gripe I have on it is that electric sitar. Another great guitar solo. Yeah, 100%. That's my only gripe on the song also, really. It 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 takes it took me out of it for sure when I was a teenager, no question. But that said, the guitar solo, man, it's fucking gorgeous. And the tone of the guitar solo is so fucking beautiful. And we have totally covered all this before we know. But man, it just never was a song that stood up for me like it did you. As I get older and I do have children, it definitely hits home more when you have kids. That's clearly what it's about. Obviously written for Jack, like you said. You know, Ozzy has songs for all the kids. He's got My Little Man for Jack and Amy for Amy of, you know, changes with Kelly, right? So she's even on that one with him. It's still a beautiful song, great lyrics. You know, when you're dreaming, you can talk to angels, wipe the tears from your eyes. It's beautiful stuff for sure. God, the lyric that I absolutely love is, I will gladly carry your cross for you to take your pain away. But what I can't carry is my love for you beyond my dying day. That little couplet is one of my all-time favorite couplets of any song. It literally is like it came from my heart to my son. It is so emotional to even talk about, but that little couplet is amazing. But know that my spirit will be standing by your side. That's another yeah. great line. And the song's got so many little moments in it, for sure. So that brings us to another thing that you and I were talking about off-air before we started recording. And that's an interview from January of 2022, this year, 
that you found and sent me from Steve Vai discussing his time with Ozzy. So tell us a little bit about that. I think fans will really enjoy this. So it was on the Players Pick podcast. Came out in January of 2022, so brand new. So in the early 90s, Ozzy and Steve Vai got together. Ozzy was asked to write with other songwriters, and Steve Vai was brought in to write again for Osmosis. Well, what happened was is Ozzy and Steve got on like a house of fire and they wrote and recorded 15 songs, which is fucking mind-blowing to me. I mean, we all knew that they wrote together, but to confirm in that interview that they have 15 songs demoed and the band was going to be called X-Ray. But Ozzy wanted to be done as a solo artist after he did his No More Tours tour and come back as a band. He wanted to do a band again. And X-Ray was going to be Steve I with Ozzy, Bob Daisley, and Dean Castronovo. So My Little Man was written during those X-Ray sessions. And this is the only song that's been released. So we know 14 songs are out there demoed with Ozzy and Steve I that have never been heard. You know, Steve I was on there saying, hopefully they will be released someday, but it's 100% up to Sharon. Ozzy talks a lot about another song called On a Roll Again that he wrote with Steve that he absolutely fucking loves. Just like we talked about, we know there's unreleased material out there, and we're going to do an episode one day on unreleased material. Just think, guys, there's a 15-song demoed album with Ozzy and Steve Vai sitting on the shelves that is still have not seen light of day. And let me tell you, listen to this interview. Steve Vai genuinely is very upbeat and really, really passionate about the project. Yeah, that's what I was getting ready to chime in and say, is that when you watch the interview with Steve Vai, he speaks glowingly about these tracks. And it's very clear to watch his body language and his face that he thinks this is some good shit. As a matter of fact, he even said, yeah, release it, Sharon. There's some good stuff in there. You can just tell he means that and that there's no question if ever this would get released, we'd be in for a real treat because he definitely seems to think it's very good. I have a hard time imagining it wouldn't be very good. I mean, Ozzy and Steve Vai together. That's fucking, are you kidding me? You're talking about one of the guitar gods of all time. You know, when he said 15 tracks, which he said 15 tracks or so, which means it could be 14 or it could be 16, right? I mean, but still, that's a lot of fucking tracks, man. That is a lot of tracks. The fact that we've only heard one and it's all these years later, it's really sad because one thing he also wanted to make clear on there is it's just demos. They, they were not full-blown studio recording, finished, ready. Like There's not a finished album. They're just demos. But like I said to you, you can always just release it as demos. I mean, everyone knows their demos, put those in a box set, or even if you release them on their own as the Steve Vai sessions and their yeah. demo, you know what I mean? That's all you got to do, man. People would go fucking nuts for it. But those four guys, Ozzy, Steve Vai, Bob Daisley, and Dean Castronovo, that's fucking monstrous. And I cannot help but imagine that most of that is up-tempo beauty, man. I would love to hear this stuff. I think of all the unreleased Aussie material, it's up there with anything, if not the highest of what we'd really love to hear because it's bound to be fucking awesome. Yeah, now there are two songs that have been released by Steve Vai that he released instrumentally. One is called Kill the Guy with the Ball, which is a fucking ripping track. And the other one is called Dying Day, which is absolutely gorgeous, kind of almost No More Tears vibe era. And those two songs were written with Ozzy. He took the music and released them as instrumental tracks. So if you want to get a a little bit of a vibe from the record. You can hunt those two songs down and check them out. They're both great. I've been listening to them all day. People would shit their pants to hear this shit. Yeah, it's almost mind-blowing that it's never been released when you think about it. I mean, you got these two metal gods together, and you throw in Dean Castronova, who's a guru on his own. I mean, he's one of the well-renowned drummers in the world, right? And he's still with Journey. And Bob Daisley, who, I mean, we all know how amazing Bob is. Like, how could you sit on that and never release this stuff? But... Like we said a minute ago, Steve's 
passion for it when he spoke about it in that interview. And maybe we need to throw that out there on our social so fans can hear it. If, if anybody's interested in getting the, the link, let me and Dan know. We'll gladly share it with you. He really was so passionate. You can tell people don't ask him about it a whole lot. When I heard his enthusiasm for the project, it just upped what I already had, which was that I really want to hear this shit. So, Sharon, if you're listening, please, please consider releasing these as the Steve Vai sessions. People don't care if they're refined. They just want to hear the material. Absolutely. And Oz himself often says he prefers the demos. And if these are the demo versions, they're probably the better versions anyway. Good point. Absolutely excellent point. One more thing I want to throw in there that Steve Vice said during the interview, and I'll eat some shit for this. I'll be honest. He referred to Michael Beinhorn. <laughs> and for those of you longtime listeners to the show know, Dan says Beinhorn. I say Beanhorn. Well, fuck me. It's officially Beinhorn. There it is, baby. So I'm going to do my best going forward to say Michael Beinhorn, who produced See You on the Other Side, My Little Man, Old L.A. Tonight, and Ghost Behind My Eyes, because he did the Osmosis album, Mr. Michael Beinhorn. The one thing I do want to add, last but not least, on My Little Man is this. So we know that was written for X-Ray with Ozzy, Bob, Dean, and Steve. Isn't it mind-blowing that Lemmy wrote the lyrics knowing that Bob was in the band? Yeah, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Right? Yeah. And we didn't know, you know, Steve Vai's been pretty forthcoming with information. Like you said, Lemmy's uncredited, but Steve made the comment that Lemmy definitely helped write this song in, yeah. a, in another interview you found last year. So, yeah, definitely odd. Really strikes me that Bob did not write the lyrics for this one. So up next, that brings us to Old L.A. Tonight, also from Osmosis. Produced by Michael Beinhorn, written by Ozzy Osbourne, Zach Wilde, John Perdell, who John Perdell was helped write the No More Tears record and produced that. So definitely a No More Tears sounding track, actually. Beautiful piano at the beginning, very bluesy in this guitar playing and the leads at the beginning of it. Very powerful bridge and choruses, man. This song, the chorus is so powerful. I would almost put it not quite with tonight, but it's in that range of what it's trying to do with this soaring chorus and the overlapping vocals which i mentioned last episode that i absolutely love like we said last time the bridge who could imagine such a thing could happen to you it's going to be all right in old la tonight it's just so fucking beautiful man i like you said earlier dan i love piano ozzy osbourne tracks and old la tonight is the epitome of that it's such a great fucking song what can i say that i didn't say last week this is the greatest song of all time right you guys are busting my balls on it i'm gonna make a claim here I think this could be Ozzy's best vocal performance of his entire career. I don't know if a song moves me as much as Old LA Tonight does just by Ozzy's vocal performance alone. I think he hits the most amazing notes of his entire career here. That overlapping part that you talked about, you know, those summer nights when I look in your eyes, it just gives me chills every time I listen. The song never gets old. It should have been bigger than Mama, I'm Coming Home. This is definitely the premier Ozzy ballad later in his career. I think it is shocking that it's kind of a lost track. I just don't understand why Old LA Tonight is not revered among the Ozzy fans. Now, this one was also demoed with Michael Wagner and Mike Inez, the stuff we had talked about. I do not like the demo nearly as well as the finished product on this one. Ozzy's voice during the verses is a little bit more sinister. He doesn't sound as emotional and vulnerable in the demo that look into the future look into my eyes and tell me everything's all right on the actual studio version ozzy is just so despaired sounds amazing and on the demo he's almost singing in a little bit more of that sinister ozzy voice that he likes to do sometimes so i think this one here michael 
Beinhorn knocked it out of the fucking park. Yeah, it's a gorgeous song, man. No question about it. I don't know if I quite put it as high as you do. You we'll know, find out shortly. When, when you say, you know, Mama, I'm coming home, and those, I, you know, I don't know if I can go with all that. We will find out. But I definitely love this song. You know, let's just be honest. When we go through the list so far, the tracks we've mentioned, Goodbye to Romance, Tonight. Then we go to So Tired, and we were like, hey, true power ballad, right? You wonder why this song isn't a bigger hit than it was, or really a hit at all, forgotten about. But I think part of that is, I think Aussie fans as a whole, like the typical fans, we love the Aussie ballads, but I don't know that as a whole, they love the Aussie power ballad as much. And I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. Like, see, you on the other you... side isn't quite the power ballad. It was Odell, it's not, kind of does have that power ballad feel. Yeah. And I don't know the Aussie fans typically relate to that as much as they do the other. I agree, but I think Mama, I'm Coming Home is a clear power ballad. For sure. And, and that's why I skipped that one. <laughs> <laughs> A good one. But I'm just saying, as a whole, I don't know the Aussie I get it. relate yeah. to that as much as they do. The ballad, but the not as cheesy sounding ballad. I, and that by no means is Odell Tonight cheesy. I'm not saying that. But it definitely has that more pop feel to it than those songs do. All right. Up next, we move to Down to Earth in 2001, produced by Tim Palmer. We have Dreamer, written by Ozzy, Mick Jones, and Marty Fredrickson. Mick Jones, a foreigner fame, by the way. This one is clearly... When I was talking about So Tired being the most Beatlesque song, this is the other one I was thinking about. This is clearly the most John Lennon song of Ozzy's career. Matter of fact, I feel like it's the sequel to Imagine, especially lyrically, vocally, melodically. It is clearly Ozzy's Imagine, and it is a gorgeous piece of music. It really is. This is another one where I think Zach plays a beautiful, fitting solo. I love the fucking solo in this song. Great lyrics. You know, I'm sure it was Ozzy's idea to start the song and, and Marty came in and really finalized all of that. But Mick Jones, really, I take my hat off to him to creating a great, great group of music here. It really fits Ozzy perfectly. You know, I love the bridge, you, your higher power, maybe God or Jesus Christ. It doesn't really matter much to me. Fuck me. Is that not a John Lennon line? Holy it's shit. Great, right? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Definitely. I love the music video as well with the children playing in the snow and they're, they're jamming inside the house. Directed by the great Rob Zombie. This is a song that Ozzy wanted Paul McCartney to play bass on. And he turned him down and said, I can't do any better than what Robert Trujillo has already done. It really breaks my heart because that wasn't the point. The point was yeah. he wanted Paul McCartney to play on his fucking record because he worships him so much. And exactly. I wish Paul McCartney would have fucking seen that. And it kind of yeah. bums me out that he didn't. Yeah, and there's that video out there. You can find it when they were on the Howard Stern show and yep. they meet for the first time. And Paul says, hey, I'm sorry I didn't play on your track, but I didn't want to blow your guy out. And he just kind of laughs. And he's like, no, there's nothing I could have done that he didn't already do. But like you said, yeah, there is your presence just being That's on right. there. Ozzy loves you and he loves the Beatles and he loves John Lennon and he loves everything about it. And this song, like you said, is clearly the follow up to Imagine. I don't think there's any question. I don't think anyone would hear it and not feel the same way. He just wanted Paul on there to give it that feel and to make it come around full circle, right? I mean, yeah. and it's a fucking great song. You've already said everything I want to say about it. Love the guitar solo, love the piano, you know, love the music video from Rob Zombie. But Mick Jones is a bad motherfucker. I love Foreigner. I'm a big fan of Foreigner. Another band who's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that just blows my mind. I just, I just don't understand it. But if you want a ballad, you put Mick Jones in a room with Ozzy Osbourne, you're going to get some killer fucking ballads out of those two because Mick Jones is a ballad writing some bitch also. But yeah, I love Dreamer, man. And this is another one. A matter of fact, I think in all of Ozzy's career, if you look at the singles, the one song that didn't chart the way it should have for me is Dreamer. I'm, I'm echoing what you said about Old LA Tonight. I think Dreamer should be right there with Mama I'm Coming Home on anyone's list. And it blows my mind that it's not. 
Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Now, when I talk about Old LA Tonight not being mentioned with my mom coming home, I see your point, right? But Dreamer should have been bigger than my mom coming home because really, Dreamer, to me, it's the Aussie song that had the best chance to be worldwide. You don't need to be a metal fan to like Dreamer. It should have been big everywhere. Not only is the song beautiful, it has got a gorgeous melody. It's not heavy. So that, you know, let's just throw that out there. But the meaning... I mean, everybody should have really just come together to love that fucking meaning. And this is another one I cried the first time I heard it, not because of the meaning, but because in my heart, and I'm going to sound like a real fanboy here, I knew Ozzy was writing and performing a song that is exactly what he wants to fucking do, and that is Be the Beatles. And to me, when I heard it for the first time, I got so emotional because I just knew that this was really from the heart from him. Yeah, no question, man. I agree 100%. It's, this is what he wants to be. The song turned out exactly how he wanted it to turn out. And I'm like, you, this was a great chance for it to be a worldwide sensation. You know, amazingly, Mom, I'm Coming Home is that now, right? Like I talked about that earlier. It's the one you hear on commercials, and it's the one that through time has withstood. It's not a knock on Mom, I'm Coming Home, but I'm like, you, Dreamer lyrically could have been the better song for something like that. But you know what? Those of us that know it love it, and at least we have it because yeah. it definitely is an, an amazing song. And it's one that I've loved from day one. Great point, man. How the hell is Dreamer not on a commercial? Right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> it so funny, right? Yeah. yeah. We're on time yeah. together. Even though yeah. It's like, it fucking drives yeah. me crazy. I know, man. I, I just don't understand. I, I never will. And I, matter of fact, I've posted it on my social media accounts before. And it's like, how is this song not a bigger hit? Like, what the fuck? What, what are people not hearing with this? Like, help me, Aussie fans out there. If you're listening to the show, Tell me, what is it about Dreamer that you don't like? Like, why is it not a bigger fucking song? I just don't, I just don't get it. Up next, that brings us from Down to Earth, Running Out of Time, written by Ozzy Osbourne, Marty Fredrickson, and Mick Jones. The exact same as Dreamer. Really love this song, man. It has a great melody, very creepy, eerie feeling to this one. Uh, love the piano in it. Love the melody to the piano. Love the melody to Ozzy's vocals. Really like this one. Basic simple guitar solo from Zach, kind of like we mentioned earlier. I like when Zach just kind of chills back and doesn't try to overplay, and I feel like he does a good job of that in this one. And Running Out of Time is a song that I've always viewed as a very underrated Aussie track. As a matter of fact, there was a long time that I thought this one should have been a single. How about you, man? I think you're spot on with the melodies. I love this team of writers, right? Aussie, Mick, and Marty do a fantastic job, because Dreamer and Running Out of Time are two of the stronger songs from Down to Earth. I'd have to say you're spot on. I do have a one gripe with the song, which I'll get to, but this is one of my favorite Aussie choruses. Just another lonely, broken hero picking up the pieces of my mind, running out of faith and hope and reason I'm running out of time. You damn right, man. It's so fucking catchy. It's so oh, good. It's so yeah. good. And he's, you know, that picking up the pieces of my mind, he sounds so great on. It's the best part of the song, for sure. Yeah. It is. You know, it's that Aussie nuance that only some singers have. We were talking this weekend about Rob Halford having it, and I'll get to that later. But Ozzy has this nuance to his voice that just makes him so special. Awesome, awesome song. It would be a fucking 9 out of 10 for me if it wasn't for the lazy bridge and the lazy outro. And for some reason, I don't like the outro. I skip it every time. I know they're trying to be Beatlesque and all this other stuff. It just doesn't work for me. I wish Ozzy would have sang something instead, especially over the bridge. So that just drops the song down a few notches. But overall, I think this is a very, very strong song. 
I knew when you said there was something you were going to get to later with this song that it would be the outro. I already knew that's where you were going to go with that. I really like it, and I think it adds to the mystique of the song and, and that aura that it has of being creepy. And I really think it's different, man. For me, it's what kind of sets it apart a little bit. Wouldn't but, you have rather had Ozzy, though, singing a classic See You on the Other Side type of outro? I'm always down for that. I yeah. mean, most of these podcasts, I'm singing those things to you. So, you know, I'm definitely usually down for that. But I don't know. I just thought they were trying to do something a little different. But uh, all in all, it doesn't take away from the song for me. Oh, that's cool, though. Yeah, it definitely drops it a couple of notches for me. All right. Up next, we now move to Black Rain. And this is produced by Kevin Churko. And we have Lay Your World on Me, written by Ozzy Zach. Obviously, this is the album that Zach returns on and Kevin Cherko himself. This is a really cool song. The drum intro and Holy for Tonight's drum intro are almost identical to me, man. I'm really surprised they did that. But, you know, it starts off with that real simple beat by Michael Borden here. I really do love this one. I do think Black Rain has some fantastic ballads on it. This one really moves me. It's a love song to Sharon. This one I really think of my wife a lot on when I do listen to it. I think, again, Ozzy. And Kevin Cherko, who I'm sure helped with the lyrics, or they're writing right from something I would say, you know, give me your pain, give me your anger, let me be your rock, I can be the pillar of strength that you need. I help you keep it all together, it's better late than never, lay your world on me, I can take the weight. I just think it's beautiful. You know, I'm not a real big lyric guy, but this one definitely is up there from a lyrical standpoint. I think Zach's got some cool arpeggiated picking going on here, Ozzy sounds great. We all live, we all cry, we all hurt the same inside. Great bridge. You fucker, you stole my thunder. <laughs> I was going to come in and say, yeah, I love the lyrics also. We all live and we all cry, we all hurt the same inside. That's what I had written down in my notes yeah. as a line to quote from the song. That's the part that gets me, it's, again, such great melodies. I mean, we've said that for every fucking track on this. You know, it's just what Ozzy is, right? He writes great melodies. We can't help but be a little bit repetitive with that because they all stand out. Especially in his ballads. For sure. And I'm like you, man. I like the content of this one. You know, lay your world on me. Everyone needs somebody to help them through the hard times. You help me and I can help you. You know, I can take the weight. But yeah, I love that fucking bridge, man. It's just so damn good. That definitely is the linchpin to this song for me. Yeah, absolutely. I think what I really dig about Black Rain are the ballads. And for me, I think it separates it from Scream a little bit. So not to give anything away, but I think lay your world on me and here for you are both fantastic. Speaking of Here For You, you ready to move on to that one? I am. All right. Up next, that brings us to Here For You, again from Black Rain, written by Ozzy, Zach, and Kevin Cherko, the same as Layer World On Me. Here For You is definitely a song that means a lot to me because it was my wedding song, and it played during my ceremony on the beach at Tybee Island in Savannah, Georgia. As the rain poured down and thunder and lightning and it was a CD player and it got wet and the song started skipping and <laughs> everything else that goes along with the rain oh, during a wedding. Oh, yeah, it was a catastrophe. But it doesn't matter because we had awesome photos after the rain and we got through it, you know, still happy. So it's all good. But no, this song definitely means a lot to me because of that. On top of the fact that I've just always liked it. I love, again, kind of like I mentioned earlier with tonight, the powerful chorus. You know, when that guitar kicks in. 
I don't want to live in yesterday. And the guitar is just fucking booming behind him, right? I mean, it just comes in like fucking like the thunder of God behind that, right? And uh, again, beautiful piano intro, beautiful piano ballad. But when that guitar comes in, and even when Zach does it live, man, and he's doing the auto flanging sliding down, kicking into the chorus with that big heavy fucking D chord, man. It's just so fucking good. So So powerful. powerful. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) We've done that a few times tonight. Uh, again, a solo that serves the song. I love the song, man. It, it's uh, Ozzy's ballad to the fans. This is his ode to the fans that he's here for you, and uh, he always will be. You know, and a lot of people have thought the song was written for Sharon, but uh, he actually said on the stage one time that it was. But it's actually well known it was written for the fans. Like we said earlier, one of the four things Ozzy always writes about is his love affair for the fans, and this is uh, definitely what this song is meant to be. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to mention that. A lot of people think this is a love song to Sharon, but it is not. It is a love song to his fans. But I love the fact that you could still use this as your wedding song because it can absolutely be interpreted as a love song for your significant other. Absolutely. I don't want to live in yesterday's cross my heart until I die. I mean, it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want to know just what tomorrow may bring because today has just begun, which is yeah. your wedding day, right? And no matter what I've done, I'm here for you. Yeah. It's, it's perfect, fucking beautiful. Man. You know, yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's a great song. I can't tell you how much I love the song as well. Definitely, it's very moving. I hate bringing up this lyric again, but when he sings, I don't want to live in yesterday, cross my heart until I die, that line specifically, there's so much emotion. It's very moving. If you really listen to his performance here, I fucking love his voice in this song in particular. Yeah. It's so goddamn good. And again, we talk about this. I feel Ozzy's passion much more in these ballads, especially later in his career, mm-hmm. than the rockers. Like, compare here for you to I Want It All off a of screen. There's no comparison between the passion of the performance here. And I think this is where Ozzy is at his age. This is what he wants to be doing. And it comes so flawlessly, so simple, so seamlessly to him to write these wonderful, wonderful melodies. This yeah, song it's is so natural. Awesome. Yeah, it's so natural. Mm-hmm. I love the lyrics. I love the meaning. I love the guitar solo again, like we talked about. This is definitely one towards the top of the charts. Yeah. And, you know, I think Ozzy was heavy handed on the lyrics for this one. That just means a lot to him. You can tell if you look through the years of set list, the songs that Ozzy had a heavy part in writing, he tends to want to play those live. And I'm pretty confident that Here For You is one that he mostly pinned on his own. I, got, I have no doubt that Zach and Kevin obviously pitched in some of the lyrics and helped. But I think he had a heavy part in having this one completely written for himself. Yeah. I love the outro, too, here. It's very simple, but I love the little nuance to the I'm here for you that he changes at the very end. Very, very cool. Yeah. All right. Up next, we move to Scream, also produced by Kevin Cherko. Now we have Life Won't Wait, written by Ozzy and Kevin Cherko. Again, this is another one that I feel Ozzy is very heavy-handed in the lyrics. You know, you and I talk about this a lot, but I feel like during the Kevin Cherko era in particular, Ozzy wrote a lot of these lyrics, especially Scream. I just get the feeling that Ozzy was really, really helping out a lot with the lyrics on these two albums. Yeah, I totally agree, man. I think Ozzy and Kevin sat down a lot and wrote lyrics together. Kind of like he did with Andrew Watt, but Watt would bring in a lot of of session writers to write lyrics and like lyricists to help with the lyrics. Right. But I think Kevin Cherko and Ozzy, literally the two of them would sit in a room and write out lyrics together and that would be it. And that's where it would go from there. Yeah, agreed very much like he did with Jim Valance, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Good call, Josh. 
So Life Won't Worry to me is one of the most modern sounding Ozzy songs. Like it sounds 2010. You know, I think Ozzy's always done a great job of changing with the times. Sometimes to people's dismay, they don't like that. They still want to hear the ultimate sin. But Ozzy's always moved with the times. And I think Life Won't Wait is a perfect example of that. It definitely sounds like a modern rock song. It's very catchy. I think Gus G is absolutely amazing on the song. I think that's one of the highlights of Scream, to be honest, is Gus G's solos. And it's no doubt that Life Won't Wait is a great one. I think the melodies are very, very strong here. I really, really love the verses on this song. You know, I watch it all change, take the news of the day and throw it away. I just think Ozzy's melodies here are great. I know it's repetitive here, but I love the passion he sings this one. It's very autobiographical, as the video produced by Jack is a fucking great video as well. Yeah, very cool video in like a in a cemetery. It looks like maybe down in New Orleans somewhere, like that kind of a creepy cemetery. Man, I fucking love this song. This is a song that I just got from day one. My wife likes this song. I remember we hadn't been dating long when Scream came out. And of course, I'm jamming this album like fucking nonstop for the next six months or whatever, right? And this is the one that she really took to also. My notes say extremely powerful, A-plus melody. It's so fucking catchy, man. It's like, try to listen to this song and not sing along. It's just about fucking impossible. Like, I absolutely love it. But the part of the song that gets me is every day that we wait, we're falling faster. No sleight of hand, no twist of fate, no ever after. When it's gone, it's gone. I'll fight to the bitter end because life won't wait. Life won't wait for you, my friend. That is just so fucking good, man. That's so good. That's such a great melody and great lyrics. Obviously, around this time of Scream, Ozzy's starting to think about his mortality, right? I mean, the two battles are life won't wait in time, and they're both about essentially running out of time, right? And the, the end of life will be coming shortly. And I just love this song, man, about going for it and, and doing what you got. And I think it's so different for an Ozzy Osbourne song. Like, when you hear the intro, you it just doesn't sound like an Aussie yeah. tune to me, you know, in a good way. Like, it's just so different. And I just, I absolutely fucking love this song, man. Matter so, of fact, Kevin Churko produced a song, and I wish I could think of it. Listeners, I apologize. It's a disturbed track that sounds very similar to this song. Hey guys, Josh here with a quick edit. That disturbed track I was referencing there is called Watch You Burn. Ooh, interesting. I'll have to find that out. My favorite part of the song actually is the future looks to you every second you throw away, every minute of every day, don't get caught in a memory. I love that little part at the pre-chorus. Yeah, I think Ozzy's great. really, really strong vocally on that line. Mm -hmm. That every minute of every day. Oh, man, he sounds so good on it. Yeah. And one thing I want to piggyback on you also, I've said this before on previous podcasts, check out the uh, archives, please, if you're listening. But Gus G's tone on his guitar on this fucking track, man. The, the end up when he's holding those notes out. Da, 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 and he's just holding that out. Fucking gorgeous. Matter of fact, I told Gus himself, didn't I, when he was on the show. I was like, man, I love your tone on that track. This, this sounds so fucking good. Those leads are amazing. He sounds beautiful. Yeah, I, I couldn't state that any better. All right, that brings us to the next track, which is also on screen, which is track Time, written by Ozzy Osbourne and Kevin Cherko. Extremely, extremely underrated track, right? This is a really good song. And in the world of that Dan and I talk about of forgotten tracks, I think Time is one of those. Has extremely good melodies, of course. And it's just a catchy fucking great Ozzy song, man. But yeah, again, I really like this one also, man. It's just such a catchy song. I don't think it's as good as Life Won't Wait. I think Life Won't Wait of the ballad section of, the, of this album was definitely the standout track. But I really like this one also. 
what's your thoughts on it? Oh, this one is interesting. So first of all, talk about something different. That opening Beach Boys part is so different for an Aussie record, right? It's kind of really cool. And I don't know, man, it just reminds me of the Beach Boys. And I don't know who's singing that. Is that a keyboard? Is that Ozzy singing? When I first got the album, I would say Life Won't Wait was one of my top songs off the record. And Time was a good song. But I'd say as the years have gone by, Time might have passed Life Won't Wait and how much I enjoy it. Mainly because I think the chorus is a little bit better in time. You know, this life fading away, this life ticking like a time bomb ready to blow your tortured mind. I think Ozzy delivers that with a little bit more passion. And I really love his performance on this one. You know, it's got a real good grit to his voice. He's singing with a lot of venomous, a lot of venom. This life fading away. You know, he just really, really does a great job on the song. Again, I think the Scream and Black Rain records are so underrated, especially the two ballads. I love the guitar solo. This is my favorite Gus G guitar solo. I think that he does on the whole record. It is just shred fest and it's got a ton of emotion in it absolutely hits a home run with that solo this one has really grown on me over the years i think it's really solid i love the message of course ozzy again thinking about his death which we're going to get a lot into when we talk about ordinary man but a fantastic song that just for some reason isn't talked about that much in the ozzy canon this life fading away, this life ticking like a time bomb, ready to blow your tortured mind. I know it's wasting away. We don't plan for when it goes wrong. The time that we lose, we will never find time. I mean, that's really great, man. At the end of the day, what we can never get back is time, right? You can regain properties. You can regain possessions. You can regain love. You can never regain time. And nope. it's something that we all face, right? I mean, we're yep. all getting older every day. And no matter what we do, we can never go backwards unless we're Marty McFly, right? <laughs> right. So it's really a great message when you think about it. Like, we're never going to get time back. Don't waste time. It's always ticking away. And I'm in my 40s now, and it's something that I definitely think about, how quickly it's starting to go. I see my children growing so quick, and I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's like, shit, man, like, where is time going? It's a beautiful song, man. Again, great melodies from Ozzy. And I'm like, you. he definitely sings it with a conviction that I love. It's, it's a great song. Totally, totally, totally underrated. So up next, that brings us into February of 2020 with the Ordinary Man album. And the first ballad of that album is the track Ordinary Man, written by Ozzy Osbourne, Andrew Watt, Chad Smith, Duff McKagan, and Billy Walsh. The chorus features Elton John on piano and vocals also. Ordinary Man is a song that definitely means a ton to me. I mean, it's a song I've mentioned before on the show. I cry frequently when I listen to it. And I don't mean to be the world's biggest pussy, but this song just takes me down, man. I don't know why. I think about Ozzy. I think about my love affair for Ozzy and his music enjoyment that he's brought to my life. I think about my family, my own people. It's just such a beautiful song. But one thing about this song that I love above all of that also is how well all the musicians did their parts. You know, Slash plays the guitar solo, and he, he plays two solos, and he fucking nails those solos, man. I mean, they could not be any better. They are not the memorable Crazy Train solo that Randy wrote. They're not going to go down in Guitar World's top 50 guitar solos of all time. But when you listen to that fucking song and you hear those solos, they are fucking perfect. They're perfect. I love Duff McKagan's bass lines in it. You know, that's one thing that kind of gets forgotten about is that bass He's got some very pretty bass lines and beautiful tone on that song. Chad Smith, again, he nailed the whole fucking record, right? We all agree. Chad just fucking knocked it out of the fucking ballpark. Killed it. I'm a big fan of Taylor Hawkins enough. He's fine. 
But in a way, I wish Chad was playing the whole new Aussie record. Instead, it's half and half with Taylor Hawkins and Chad Smith. But I just Chad was just so good on the Ordinary Man record. I just wish he did the whole next one also. He's a fucking monster. But this song just does so much for me, man. It just absolutely does so much for me that I fucking love it. And I think at this stage in Ozzy's life, at this age, I don't know what he could have done any better in a ballad and put all of his feelings, all of his emotions in one song and put it on record for us to enjoy for the rest of our lives. I fucking love it, man. The lyrics are fucking impeccable. So I just talked about how great Black Rain and Scream are, right? Here's the truth. As great as Black Rain and Scream are, and I know they're not very popular in the Aussie catalog, and you or I are diehards, and we love them. Ordinary Man is levels above those two records. I get told a lot, God, you guys talk about osmosis a lot. A lot of osmosis love. It's not a lie. Me, Josh, love osmosis. But to me, Ordinary Man is in that camp. That album from front to back is fucking extraordinary. And the fact that we got it, so late in Nazi's career, when he wasn't even expecting to write a record, he had just come off surgery. We're going to eventually do a deep dive on this record. We've kind of been saving it because of how much we fucking love it. And this song is definitely one of the standout tracks. Elton fucking John is on this record. Think about that. Elton John is one of the most iconic, popular singers in the history of music. And he comes on and not only does he sing the song that Ozzy wrote the melodies for, he also plays piano. And it is a beautiful song. Talk about, again, great lyrics. So this song speaks to me on so many levels. You know, this song is just gorgeous. Another Beatles-esque song. I'm going to keep harping on it. Ozzy with the piano equals fucking dynamite. I wish today, if I came out tomorrow and said uh, Ozzy's next album was nothing but piano ballads, I would be the fucking most excited man in this country because that is where Ozzy shines the most at his latter stage in life. This song, Slash's guitar solo, amazing. I remember the night Josh and I listened to the song together for the first time, and I was speechless. I couldn't believe we were listening to a song that was this fucking good from a man in his 70s. From a guy, Andrew Watt, who's known for producing Post Malone. Now, Josh and I knew about California Breed and how great Andrew Watt was, even though the rock world doesn't want to give him that credit. But what Andrew Watt did for Ozzy, I'll always be grateful for, because not only did he really save his life and get him out of the house, he really gave us a fucking masterpiece. And fuck you guys who don't understand this record. You just go fucking bang your heads and be the small-minded pricks you are, because Ordinary Man is awesome. Not only did this album save Ozzy's life, but it's what he wanted to do. I can remember me and you, we didn't want him to go on the No More Tours tour. We wanted him to record a new album. Promotional press releases and, and interviews, Ozzy was saying, verbally saying, I want to do a new record. I want to do a new record. We're like, well, why the fuck is he going on tour? You know, then he gets sick and gets hurt. He has the fall and things happen. Bam, a new record falls in his lap, literally, with Andrew Watt. So really, it answered everyone's prayers as far as that goes. He wanted to do a new record. The real fans wanted a new record. It came out stellar. And it's funny, you know, I've asked you and Ryan if you expect the new one to be as good as Ordinary Man. And all three of us agreed it probably won't be. And all three of us agreed it probably won't be. And the reason is, is Ordinary Man, the record, was lightning in a bottle. It was simply fucking lightning in a bottle. It literally was recorded and finished in like month six weeks or something. I mean, just completely just fucking fell from the sky when Ozzy gave Watt the green light to record 
some tracks and let him hear them to potentially be for a new record. What called Chad Smith, he called Duff, and they threw some shit together quick just to get something for Ozzy to present. And Ozzy liked it, and for good reason, it's a good fucking record. But this song really sums it all up. I feel like this song and this album is better than we deserve for Ozzy Osbourne at age 71. It just shouldn't be that good. Is Bob Dylan still putting out records like this? He's just not. Nobody right? is. Like, who Absolutely. is? We all love Dolly Parton. We've talked about her in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Is she still putting out quality records like this? No. Right. Everyone else is sitting back on their catalog and touring their catalog and making money off their catalog. And they never have those aspirations to keep recording new good material. And kudos to Sharon because Sharon's quality control. And if it sucked, she'd have told him it sucked, and he'd be sitting on a shelf somewhere with Steve Vai's record. Right? We know a couple of albums that are still sitting on the shelf. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, she's she's nixed albums before, so it's going to get through her, and I appreciate that from Sharon. But this song right here sums it all up, man. It's just such a great fucking song. It's beautiful. But the line that gets me, man, every time. Many times I lost control. They tried to kill my rock and roll. But just remember, I'm still here for you. I don't want to say goodbye, but when I do, you'll be all right. After all, I did it all for you. I got chill bumps reading it, man. This is so fucking beautiful and so, powerful. Uh, this is exactly what I was going to bring up, right? This is my favorite verse of the song, and it's fucking sung by Elton John. Obviously, if you guys don't know, there is a version out there with Ozzy singing the whole song without Elton yeah, John. Yeah, if you go to your streaming sites and do the actual single, all Ozzy. That line, I don't want to say goodbye. When I do, you'll be all right. Whoo-wee. That hits me every time, man. But I think the irony here is this is Ozzy writing. This verse in particular, and I think it's ironic because Elton John sings it. Many times I've lost control. They tried to kill my rock and roll, right? We already got a reference right here to you can't kill rock and roll. Just remember, I'm still here for you. Here for you. Right? I don't want to say goodbye. You know, again, I don't want to stop. This is just so Ozzy. When I do, you'll be all right. After all, I did it all for you. So good. But when you hear the version with Ozzy singing, Elton sung it exactly the way Ozzy sung it. He didn't yeah. change anything. He done it like literally pitch for pitch the way Ozzy sung it. It's, just, it's Elton John instead of Ozzy on the, on the actual album release. Yeah. All right. Up next, we have Holy for Tonight, also from Ordinary Man. And this one is written by Ozzy, Chad Smith, Duff McKagan, Ali Tamposi, and Andrew Watt. Man, this one I have a soft spot for. I'm not going to lie. I think this is the most underrated song off of Ordinary Man. This is the third song here on our list that I cried the first time I heard it. I mean, I was at the gym. We got the album early. I don't know how, but Josh had sent me a link. I got the album early, and I was at the gym walking on a treadmill. I just wanted to concentrate on the record, and tears were just streaming down my face when I heard the song for the first time. It's the performance. It's the lyrics. Now, When I first heard the song, I really thought it was about Ozzy dealing and coming to grips with his death. And it made me think of my father. It was just very emotional for me. My father's still alive, by the way. That's exactly what I thought also, Dan. I thought it was about coming to grips with his own mortality and his own death. So the first time I heard it, that's what I was thinking of. And then I was thinking of, God, how am I going to come to terms with the death of my father when that happens and come to terms with the death of Ozzy? It's going to be a fucking catastrophe in my life. I'm just going to be honest. Dude, we can't discuss that. Yeah, we can't discuss that. So (laughs) let's move on. (laughs) But but that's what this song had me thinking, right? I'm I'm trying to stay in context here. Just the first time I heard it, and and these lyrics, and I'll get to what the song is really about, but it's going to be a lonely night. It's going to be a long and lonely night. Tomorrow is my last goodbye, so I'll be holy for tonight. You know, I'm running out of time forever. 
I know I'm someone that they won't remember. God, you know, again, Ozzy with his lack of confidence. I was just really, really emotional. Well, then to come find out, and it's still emotional, the song is about a gentleman who's on death row who is getting ready to be executed, and he's going to be holy for tonight because he wants to go to heaven, and it's his last night on earth, which is yeah. still fucking brilliant. But Dan and I were so emotional thinking Ozzy's singing about his, his death and how beautiful yep. this is, and truthfully, it's a fucking documentary he watched on CNN. That's right. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. Literally, like, and what's more Ozzy than that, right? Like, we think it's this big, deep thing about his own mortality, and truthfully, it's just a fucking you know episode of Forensic Files 2 on fucking CNN headline news or something. It's fucking awesome. So I'll tell you what I love about this song. I think this is about the best chorus Ozzy has since maybe old LA tonight. It's going to be a lonely night. I've already read it. It's going to be the longest night of my life. That fucking chorus, man, it is so moving, so touching. Ozzy sounds tremendous on this track. The melodies are fantastic. Again, we get some piano going on. Fucking Andrew Watt just crushes this record. This song should have ended the record. You're going to something you're going to hear me and Josh say all of the time. This should have been the last song on the record because it's so emotional. Ozzy ends Old LA Tonight in Osmosis. Ozzy ends No More Tears of Road to Nowhere. It just makes sense. And I think this is clearly one of the top most underrated tracks in his catalog. I remember reading a review for Ordinary Man before I heard the record. And the guy was like, I love every song, but that Holy for Tonight sucks. And I was just like, whoa, I wonder what Holy for Tonight's like if the guy thought the whole album is. So when I got the record and I'm crying and and, and I'm moved to tears, I, I just remember thinking, what the fuck was that guy listening to? Because this song is gold, man. Just gold. I remember exactly the dude you're talking about. He called it an, another unnecessary ballad. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> That's what he called yeah. it. And it was like, fuck, that guy's missing the mark by a mile. Also, this is my favorite Andrew Watt guitar solo on the record. You know, he does a great job. He double tracks it. He's got one pan left, one pan right. And it just sounds really, really larger than life. And he shreds on this track. This is the track I always go to when people are like, hey, his guitar playing sucks. And I'm like, man, are you listening to Holy for Tonight? Are you listening to All My Life? Those guitar solos are fucking rock solid, man. They're great. People just need to pull their head out of their ass. They just know Andrew Watt worked with Post Malone, so they automatically hate it. I was going to say All My Life is probably my favorite guitar solo of his, but Holy for Tonight is definitely up there. But, you know, at the same time, Watt isn't afraid to call someone else. If he thinks, hey, this song deserves better than what I'm going to bring it, I I need Slash on this one. I think that's fucking awesome that he's willing to do that. I mean, I'm I'm all down for that. One thing about Holy for Tonight also that I love, man. Aside from the thought of you in the gym lifting weights and crying, listening to it, that made me, <laughs> me kind of laugh. I was it's living true, my, though. Like, I had my mic, I had my microphone muted, and I was like, "God damn!" I picture you like two hundred pounds on the fucking bench, like crying like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> and all the dudes in the gym are like, "What the fuck's up with Fuck. dude over yeah, here, exactly. man?" <laughs> and you're just like, "Never mind, man. I just got the new Aussie record. I'm sorry." <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Like, you know, we was talking about how it should have ended the record, and that was a catastrophe that it didn't. Because it builds up to that crescendo at the end, man. And, you know, they have all the strings from AB Road Studios. And it's just building up to that big final note. It just holds out there for so long. And it's fucking perfect. And that's another thing about Ordinary Man that I meant to mention and kind of slip. I apologize. Was, you know, when it has the tag at the end of it with all the strings from AB Road Studio playing the melody through one more time. To the triumphant ending of dun, 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 dun. And I remember Chad Smith, when they were promoting the record before 
this song even came out, he said, every time I hear the ending, I just, he said, in my head, I just hear, and the Grammy goes too, you know, right. of course it didn't win one, which kind of sucked, but it does. in a way it did. Andrew Watt won producer of the year and Ordinary Man was a part of that. So fuck them. And the orchestration was done by Will Malone on both tracks, who also did the orchestration on Sabbath Bloody Sabbath, which I always thought was really cool at Abbey Road Studios, which is even cooler for Ozzy. And I think when Andrew Watt said, when Ozzy even asked him to go to Abbey Road, he said, go to Abbey Road, put some strings on this track, both these tracks. And, you know, Watt was just tickled to death to go do that. Right? I mean, who wouldn't be, right? It's such a yeah. fucking cool thing. There's actually video of that. If you go to Watt's Instagram, you can see video yeah. of them recording that stuff. You see video of Elton John also recording piano for Ordinary Man on there. But Holy For Tonight, it struck me instantly also. I remember the first time I heard it, I messaged you, and I'm like, dude, you were going to fucking trip balls over this song. Like, I knew the second I heard it, I was like, Dan is going to go nuts. So it could be a Beatles track. It's just so fucking close to a Beatles tune, man. And I fucking love it. I absolutely love it. But it's, our stories were identical. I thought it was about Ozzy. I thought it was about his mortality. It's just about, you know, the serial killer on death row. But now I love it for what it is in that stage also. It's, it's a cool idea. And it's a great song, man. I love this one. Yeah, absolutely. And let's just hope Ozzy has equally as good ballads on his next record because you know they're going to be there, but he really knocked it out of the park on Ordinary Man with his ballads. No doubt. No question. All right, Dick, are you ready to get going with our top 10? I am. You know, my top 10 has changed a little bit since we started talking about all these. You know, I've been sitting here looking at one myself and going, dude, should I move that up? Yeah, but when I, I look above it, I just I, I don't really want to move it, so uh, I'm gonna leave it as it is. Fuck it, it don't matter. Our list change. It does. I, I, I'm gonna be very honest with the listeners. I was looking at my top ten, and there's a track on here that's on my top ten that in the battle last week lost to a track that is now not in the top ten. <laughs> so that is living proof <laughs> that we say. This can change every day. It literally can change every day because I have a track on here that lost last week's battle and the other one is not in and this one is. So fuck it. It's my list today. Tomorrow it could be a different list. So that's right. This is my list today. Well, why don't you start us off? Coming in at number 10 for me off of Black Rain is Here For You. My number 10 from Black Rain is Here For You. Ah, fuck. Here we go again. Listeners, yeah. he copied my top four Texas Chainsaw Master <laughs> fucking right. movies. Now he's trying to copy my top ten Aussie ballads. What the fuck? We have a brain, my man. It's a shared <laughs> brain. God. All right. Number nine for me. This one probably wouldn't make a lot of people's lists, I don't think, for a top ten Aussie ballads of all time. But I fucking love it. Life Won't Wait from Scream. Very nice. All right. So my number nine might catch people off guard. Most people might have it a little higher. But my number nine is Mama, I'm Coming Home. Whoa. That's low. Hey, it's my list. It's your list. Fuck them, right? <laughs> That's right. That's my word today. I got to admit, that is staggering. I mean, really? I know there's other songs. You you, you know, I know you want to know what you But at nine, that that's staggering. Okay. Dude, I'm What's looking it? at my list above it. I love every single song better than that. I, I get it. I get it. All right. Number eight for me. I go back to Osmosis for Old LA Tonight, which lost to... Road to Nowhere in the battle last week in Road to Nowhere did not make my top 10. <laughs> Fuck off. Hey, you know what Old that means? Not number eight. That means I won the argument, you know. Eh, fuck your Fuck argument. off, I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> my number eight is the extraordinary title track from his latest album, Ordinary Man. I love it. All right, number seven for me. This is one I feel like should be higher. I just do. When I look at my list, this is the one where I go, why can't you make this one? Up there somewhere. But ultimately, when I look up there, I just can't. Number seven for me is Dreamer. Okay. 
My number seven, I feel very similar about. I look at it and go, it's one of my favorite guitar solos of all time. It's moving, great melodies. But for some reason, it's number seven. And that's Goodbye to Romance. Ooh, okay. I get that. All right. And number six for me, I go back to Osmosis. And it's for the ballad with Zach and Lenny. See you on the other side. Wow, that's high for me. High. All right. My number six is the song we just talked about. It's incredibly moving to me. And that is Holy for Tonight. I want to throw in a quick caveat. Me and Dan's argued about this. I love Holy for Tonight. I don't know that I see it as a ballad. <laughs> so I get in tone it is, but for whatever reason in my head, I don't think ballad. So therefore, it's hard for me to put it on my top 10. If I go top 10 songs I like of this list, it could be there. Does that make it sense? It is a ballad, 100%. But, yeah, I know, but for whatever reason in my small mind, I don't want it to be. All right. So we are up to number five. This is when the fucking rubber hits the road, right? Number five, I go to the old school, Bark at the Moon, So Tired. Whoa. Wow. All right. My number five is the very John Lennon inspired dreamer. I love it. Okay. Number four for me. I think fans knew this one would be high on my list. It was number one on my top Aussie albums of the 21st century. Ordinary man, 2020. Awesome. All right. So my number four is a song I just cannot stop listening to. And that is see you on the other side from the tremendous osmosis record. Dan's like, Whoa, you had see you on the other side at number six. You had it at four. I mean, what the fuck? Is it really that different? (laughs) It is. Mine's in a top. It's a top five song. It's major. Yeah. Okay. All right. Number three for me, I go to the original Blizzard of Oz, Goodbye to Romance, the first song Oz and Randy ever wrote together. I do love it. It is a song I don't listen to as often as some of the others because I don't want to say fatigue, but it's just I've listened to it for so long. Ultimately, when I think about that bridge and I think about that guitar solo and everything that goes into it, I love this song. Goodbye to Romance, number three. My number three is the fantastic Old L.A. Tonight from Osmosis. I think the whole listening audience is shocked it wasn't number 1A. But anyway, (laughs) that's beside the point. (laughs) Number two for me, the backbone I called it earlier, Mama, I'm Coming Home. I mean, it's fucking Ozzy Osbourne, Mama, I'm Coming Home, dude. It's fucking massive. I got respect for you having it at nine. I'm not you know, bashing on you for that. But, dude, Mama, I'm Coming Home is fucking gorgeous dude it's a fucking beautiful song fatigue factor a little i'll give it that i prefer dreamer and see you on the other side by by quite a lot i'll admit this if i have the three tracks sitting there i'm picking both of those before mama coming home also as far as what i want to listen to today but well that's look, what you got to go but, by but when i look overall the ones i prefer long term overall i'm sticking with mama coming home all right my number two is A song that means a lot to me. I think this is the one that really sneaks in because of a nostalgia factor. And that is the epic So Tired. You know, that's the song that every time I listen to it, it just moves me in a way that these other songs don't. I'll be honest, the toughest battle for me on this whole list was my two and three spot. One minute it was Old LA Tonight. The next minute it was So Tired. So I'm going to give that caveat that can change quite regularly. But for today... And this week and doing this list, So Tired has it by just a touch. I love it, man. So Tired. I mean, you are a massive Bark of the Moon fan. I am. And I knew that one would be high up on your list. Such a fucking great song. It is. So I believe we have the same number one, and I'm not shocked yeah. by that. But of number one for me is Tonight off of Diary of a Madman. That's the best Aussie song most Aussie fans have never heard. And I don't know any other way of fucking putting it. I got a friend of mine. She has the lyrics to Goodbye to Romance on her fucking arm, and she loves Ozzy. And I said, oh, it's so fucking cool. Do you like Tonight? 
And she looked at me like I had four fucking eyes. I was like, you love Ozzy enough to have lyrics on your arm and you've never heard tonight. And she'd never heard it. That's I said, crazy. I she's ever fucking heard it, right? Wow. She's missing out. A lot of people are missing out. This song should have been a single. It should have been a massive fucking hit. And I think real Ozzy fans know what a fucking monster that song is. Yep. My number one is also tonight. It is just epic. Quite honestly, it's a top five all-time song for me by anybody. And you're 100% spot on, Josh. Everybody that's an Ozzy fan should be worshiping at the feet of this song. It is brilliant. Listen, my brother turned me on to Ozzy. And he's listened to Ozzy since he was 15 years old. He's 45. That's 30 fucking years. If I said tonight, I- I'm sure he's heard it because he did have the Diary of a Madman CD or cassette tape back in the day, right? But right. if I mentioned that song, he wouldn't know the song I was talking about. He would wow. have no clue. But if I said goodbye to romance, he would. Mom, I'm coming home. Or even see you on the other side. But people just don't know this track the way they should. And it's mine and Dan's job to try to make them. Yep. So, <laughs> listeners, if you don't know the song tonight, do yourself a favor. After our podcast is over, go find it and dig it out and listen to it. It is brilliant. I think it's funny that I have tonight, Old LA tonight, and Holy Four tonight all within my top 10. That's for tonight anyway. Tomorrow it may change, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Hey, I do want to say one last thing. I was fortunate enough to be a guest on the Judas Priest Metal Gods podcast, which is part of our Deep Dive Network, and that airs this week as well. So please do yourself a favor, support us, support them, check out the episode. We're discussing the song Turning Circles from the underrated point of entry release. You can listen to it wherever you listen to your Diary of the Madman podcast. Tom and George are amazing. They're going to be on our show soon. Do yourselves a favor if you're a Priest fan. It is exactly what we do for Ozzy, what they do for Judas Priest. Check them out. All right. Sounds good, man. We'll definitely check out that podcast when it's available. But in the meantime, you guys keep it heavy, and we will see you on the other side. Alyssa White glues fucking hot as balls or what? Who? The singer of Arch Enemy, the new one. Oh, I don't know. I haven't seen her. Oh, she's so fucking hot. I tell you what, man. Um, Amy Lee, like modern day. Jesus Christ. She's hotter now than she was back in the day. I don't find her that hot. I do. I didn't back then. I do now. <laughs> Love that we're both whispering. Yeah. Oh, you're the best. My wife's in the other room. Mine is too. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm whispering. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, man. Uh...